1: We have some major updates in the Alec Baldwin case, the Kyle Rittenhouse case, man, two big stories. We just couldn't figure out which one was more important, but we opted for the Alec Baldwin one because, well, the the, the case with Kyle Rittenhouse is going to be coming up the next week or so. So we're gonna have a lot of time to talk about that, but we will talk about both. In the case of Alec Baldwin, the district attorney says that charges are possible for Alec Baldwin and two separate high profile legal analysts, lawyers, have laid out the case as to why Alec Baldwin may be facing at least involuntary manslaughter charges. Now, in order to get anything higher than that, they'd have to find some kind of intent. And that's all they would need. Seriously, a prosecutor could find out that she, you know, she once stole 20 bucks from his wallet and then he could try and make the argument. It's not a good argument. But right now, they've, this, this analysis from Andrew Branca is actually really poignant. That Alec Baldwin pointed a gun, pulled the trigger, and had every opportunity to inspect the weapon, and did not do it. When and then, you know, I'll add he's been trained over multiple decades working in films, knowing firearm safety. There were already negligent discharges on set that crew had protested over. So you're really close to getting like more than manslaughter, but at the very least, that's what we could, we, could, we could be seeing. Now, as for Kyle Rittenhouse, this is the kid in Kenosha, and I'm sure many of you are familiar with this. Things are looking pretty good. At least so far in a pretrial hearing, the judge ruled that the men who lost their lives cannot be called victims. I guess the, the argument is the whole case is whether or not Kyle Rittenhouse was justified in doing what he did. Was it self-defense? To refer to these, these men as victims basically paints the picture that the answer is no. We know Kyle killed these people. The question is, was it warranted? So the judge has outright said you can't call them victims, but you can call them looters, rioters, and arsonists. Mm. And there was even a point where the prosecution tried arguing that this, this man, you know, who, who is, who is, who is shot, there's no evidence that he attacked anyone else. It's just arson. And the judge snaps and goes, just arson? Come on! I can't believe what you're trying to tell me! It was crazy to see the judge snap at the prosecutor because, well, let's be real, the prosecutors don't have much to go on. You had riots going on for several days and for weeks across the country. The police had said thank you to Kyle Rittenhouse as he was showing up and gave him water. That's going to be a tough case, but we'll see. The jury could be absolutely biased. So we got a bunch of other news to talk about. Joining us is Charles Lehman. you want to introduce yourself?
2: Yeah, Tim. Thanks for having me on. My name's Charles Van Lehman. I'm a fellow at the Manhattan Institute, Tribute Editor at City Journal. I work on uh, all things urban policy, especially crime, uh, which obviously is very relevant to really both of these stories. Yeah, this will be great.
1: And then um, we're also going to talk about impeaching Biden, because before the show, he said (laughs) the Republicans are going to win and they are going to impeach Biden. And I really want to talk about that. So we'll we'll do that. We got Luke as well. Yep. So the shirt I'm wearing right now first appeared on the vlog
3: and I saw it. I'm like, I love it. I have to copy it. And it says I tested positive for freedom.
4: Wait, Wait,
1: wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on. That was Kent's idea for that. (laughs)
3: Absolutely. Kent, I gotta send you a a shirt, uh and maybe some royalties. We'll talk. Uh but but I I saw that we had a similar version. It said it it said something almost exactly the same, but just a little bit different. Uh and I was like, This this is too perfect. I need to I need to copy it. And We we gotta we gotta make
1: one because in the vlog the other day, Kent has you wearing a shirt that says Step on Snack and Find Find out. out. I like that one too. I'm
3: like we gotta do that one as well. So Kent we gotta talk and you can get your shirt exclusively on the best dot com and you could also support me here at the same time by doing so and uh, we also opened up mail yesterday which was really fun i got a bunch of cool stuff like this polish solidarity sign and a garbage pale kids luke puke uh, <laughs> card which is really freaking awesome so i got a bunch of stuff i got a lot of stuff to hang up on the wall so really how, thank do, you, you how guys do you say solidarity in polish Sol- Solidarność.
2: like 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 yeah. the guy that was the who big through the soviet government yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, 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 like Le- the Le- Le- party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah
3: okay. That, that guy, was a great. He patted me on the head when I was a little baby. Wow. Nice. So, yeah. That was
1: matters. the name of the big movement in Poland.
3: Yes, yeah. the the kind of union of people coming together saying, uh, we really don't like communism. We like to eat, mm. and we prefer food over uh, stamps. But they so, said,
1: we don't like communists or Nazis. Exactly. But like, well, it's all
3: bad. Exactly. So the Polish have a long history of resisting left-wing and right-wing tyranny, uh, and I'm very proud of my heritage and my people. And my grand great grandparents uh paid the ultimate price fighting all of those crazy ideologies and I want to
5: make sure we don't have to fight them here. Mm-hmm. Right on. You know, I also received that was actually really beautiful What you just said um this amazing coin from six hundred A D there yeah. about Emperor Focus oh, from the Byzantine Emperor.
4: So cool.
5: Byzantine Empire. Whoa. I mean if you this person understands my obsession with ancient artifacts, so, so thank neat. you. And I really want to give a shout out to B and B Forge and Leather Company who forged oh. this by hand. It's a knife. Look at this thing. Well, this is a cutting knife that I'm going to be using my cooking shows in the future so and probably for shiny. years to come. It is incredible. You guys, this guy forged it by hand and sent me the documented the process. So thank you so much.
4: That's so neat. Uh, and
5: check out the Cast Castle vlog if you want to see us opening this stuff. I think it'll be live tomorrow, this episode.
4: That was actually super fun. We went downstairs last night after the show and we opened a bunch of those things. It was a lot of fun. It was very much like Christmas. I really appreciate all of you guys for sending us stuff. I'm excited for this evening too. Let's get going.
1: Before we get started, head over to Timcast.com, become a member, and you'll get access to all those fancy Timcast members only segments. We actually have a couple. Let me let me just let me just pop over here to the members area. We got Timcast Live Hangout with Ryan Long and Danny Polishchuck. Oh, yeah. So if you want to see an extended version of the vlog that's got all of this stuff from us partying at the event and having a good time and we got some of the jokes from Ryan Long, and they're particularly offensive. You'll enjoy that. Go to timcast.com, become a member, and we're going to have a member segment coming up. We we will, we release it around 11 p.m. every night. But don't forget to like this video right now. Hit smash that like button. Don't just hit it, smash it. Subscribe to this channel. Share the show with your friends. Just take the URL right now and paste it everywhere you can. It really helps out. And uh, let's let's get into this first big story. We got this from the New York Times. Criminal charges possible in shooting on Alec Baldwin set. DA says. An inquiry into how a cinematographer was killed with a gun the actor was rehearsing with, which was not supposed to have live rounds in it, could take weeks. They said the Santa Fe County District Attorney said on Tuesday that she was not ruling out criminal charges in last week's fatal shooting on a film set. Alec Baldwin was rehearsing with a gun that he had been told did not contain live ammo when it went off, killing the film cinematographer. So we know this. Now I've got, I've got a few questions. First, let me just read this quote. DA Mary Carmack Altwey says we haven't ruled out anything. Everything at this point, including criminal charges, is on the table. I just, I just want to point out the entire time this story has been in the news cycle, Alec Baldwin has been given every benefit of the doubt, and it's been wrong every time. The first thing they said was it was a blank and it was a misfire. Now, then we learn from the union it wasn't a blank, mm. but it was a misfire. Now we're learning Alec Baldwin pulled the trigger. It wasn't a misfire. Negligent discharge. You know, I I think that's even interesting, too. Was it negligent discharge or was it Alec Baldwin intentionally discharging the weapon? That's why this starts to get into criminal territory. Mm. And there's also a lot of people complaining about
3: the production cutting corners. A lot of staff saying that they were terrified because the guns were going off beforehand incorrectly. Uh, and, And hearing, you know, misfire by the mainstream media, it doesn't tell the story here at all so we're seeing a concerted effort to try to uh, murky the waters already so at least at least there should be an
5: investigation here to find out what really happened misfire specifically means the gun didn't go off so that's right. incredible negligence by the media saying that twice yeah they, they were obsessing about it. it's that's, like fully semi-automatic
4: yeah, yeah. They, they don't yeah. know what we're talking about. We, <laughs> whether
5: he intended to or not, it was a negligent discharge. And I think it – I mean, there were three people that I can tell are involved. Hannah Gutierrez-Reed is the armor who handed the weapon to Dave Halls, who was the assistant director, who handed the gun to Alec and told him it was cold. We don't then know Alec, Well, this is according to this story from LATimes.com.
1: What I'm saying – you know, I hear you. Yeah. What I'm saying is we've been told every step of the way one thing and then only to find yeah. out later that exactly. wasn't That's true. Exactly. Yeah. So I, one, of, one of the details that I read was that there were three different guns – and someone walked over and grabbed one. So I, I kind of feel like him claiming he told Alec it was cold is just them covering, you know, their asses. Mm.
5: I think this is from the director's testimony. The, they they got a hold of the director and they're like, "What happened?" He's like, "Dude, I mean, it's gruesome. It, you really want to hear about what happened?" He, the girl was paralyzed by the bullet first, couldn't feel her legs, and then she died. Yes. It's it's absolutely horrible. Negligent. I mean, you want to? This is. Comp- you know,
3: for someone who lectures about how dangerous firearms are, he sure didn't take mm. this matter seriously. Uh, and,
2: well, so
1: I I, yeah. I, I kind of feel like manslaughter is possible, but you know, when I was bringing this up earlier, Charles, you were just like, "Never going to happen."
2: No, I, 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 well, I mean, it, you know, the look, the 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 calculus is ultimately political. It's like, does the Santa Fe prosecutor what are, what what are her aspirations, and does she want uh, a media trial? Does she have to navigate the media trial. I suspect the answer is no. A, I don't think I don't think the trial happened that he would. Uh, be convicted. I don't think the jury's can convict. I think he's too sympathetic. And B, uh, I don't think there's any interest in actually going out and prosecuting the case. Yeah, yeah. Just from a political perspective, you know, I, don't know I I don't know what happened. I don't think you know what happened. I think we can guess, but but I think it is it is unlikely. Nobody wants that heat. Nobody wants the attention of a celebrity murder case. I think I think less people hate him, and you know, people like Alec Baldwin.
1: He's yeah. he's kind of a jerk. People like yeah. Alec Baldwin. Not half the country does. And that's, yeah. and that's the big issue when it comes to issues like Kyle Rittenhouse, Derek Chauvin. We know Antifa will go around and smash up windows and burn down buildings and the right won't do anything like that. So there's already an obvious, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it flows in one direction. The prosecutor's going to look at this and be like, okay, let's say we do go after Alec Baldwin. We're going to get a bunch of crazed, you know, lefty types screaming in our faces, right. yelling at us. And let's say we don't prosecute him. Nothing happens. Yep. Okay. So, which do we choose? I think
5: Lady Justice is blind, and if an actor negligently discharges a weapon that he should have inspected and kills someone, that uh, a manslaughter charge is is warranted.
0: With the Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: Well, yeah. let, let me read this from Legal Insurrection. This, this is where it gets interesting because the DA is saying they could have criminal charges. And Andrew Bronco, we've had on the show before. Yes. He's got excellent analysis on the Rittenhouse case, which we, you know, and we'll talk about that case in a second. They say Alec Baldwin's situation beginning to look a lot like manslaughter. The more we learn about the fact of the case within the context of New Mexico criminal law, the more this shooting looks increasingly like a crime, specifically felony involuntary manslaughter. He goes on to say the relevant facts assumed to be established, one, that it was Alec Baldwin who was manipulating the gun that fired the projectile that killed Miss Hutchins, yeah. two, that the gun discharged because the trigger was depressed by Baldwin and not because of some defect in the weapon, three, that the muzzle of the weapon was directed towards Miss Hutchins by Baldwin when it was fired, e.g., she was not killed by an unpredictable ricochet, four, the gun contained a live round, the bullet of which struck and killed Miss Hutchins, Five, the ball, that Baldwin had the opportunity to inspect the weapon of for live ammo before he directed it at Miss Hutchins and pressed the trigger killing her. And lastly, there was no justification for the shooting of Miss Hutchins. Now, interestingly, some of these recently are new developments such as that he pulled the trigger, that he pointed it at the woman and then he pulled the trigger. Initially people were saying misfire as if to claim that like I heard one report that they were like oh someone pulled the hammer back and handed it to him and then when he when he was holding it it just went off like as if that's what, that's what misfire meant no misfire means it didn't shoot this was negligent discharge mm. the other the other relevant factors which I which I've stated but for the context right now I'll say again there is a witness who uh, uh, not a witness but a, I guess you could say a character witness someone who's worked with Baldwin who says that they worked with him in the past and he was always very careful That was back in, I think the eighties or something. That means Alec Baldwin has decades of firearms training on set. He's a producer of the film. There were already negligent, negligent discharges on the set that crew had complained about. So you can't say he didn't know. Then he was handed a weapon aimed at the woman and pulled the trigger. (laughs) <laughs> that sounds like yeah. I mean, from,
2: uh, from, from a from a legal perspective, you know, I'm strong parent reality, but but from a from a firearm safety perspective, the number one rule of even a prop gun is that you don't point it at somebody unless you're willing to pull the trigger. And uh, as as you were saying, for somebody who's so. Uh, aware of how dangerous firearms could be, it's, just, it's like I, th- there was no reason to point a prop gun at somebody who's you're not actively using. I don't it know as, if it he
3: was aware. Gun. If he was aware, I think this would have been prevented. He sure preaches a lot. A lot of this political yeah. ideology against people who uh, want to have the right to defend themselves.
2: The 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 first rule of firearm handling, you know, every every time, uh one of my one of my former colleagues, a guy named Stephen Katowski who now runs, he runs a, a gun news site called The Reload. Um, but he's one of the one of the best firearm reporters in America right now and Stephen uh t- took a bunch of a shooting at at the NRA range, which is a good time. Um and, and and the first thing that they tell you, everybody in that room is viscerally aware of the importance of trigger discipline, of being when your safety's on, when your safety's off, of where you're pointing your gun, only ever pointing the gun down range If it's if it's loaded, only ever pointing down like these are you know, if if you if you genuinely believe it's a deadly weapon or if you believe it's a, a facsimile of a deadly weapon, you have to treat it as such because it'll always be loaded. Let,
1: let's let's think about the absurdity of the argument I keep hearing from people defending Alec Baldwin. Just it's, it's the most insane thing ever. I'm getting all these tweets where they're like, clearly Tim has never been on set before. And they're saying things like, huh, tell me you've never been on a movie set without actually telling me you've been on a movie set. I just want you to imagine that you're on a movie set and I've been on sets before uh, I've been on sets of TV shows and films. And I just want you to, to imagine you're working, you're a PA or whatever. You're, you got, you know, look at the Warner Brothers water tower. And then all of a sudden you see Alec Baldwin pull out a gun and point it at you. And you're going to be like, this is totally fine. It's Hollywood. People point guns at everybody all the time. There's nothing weird about this at all. No, if, if, if that actually happened, people would be screaming and running. Yet for some reason here... Alec Baldwin drew a gun, pointed it, shot, killed somebody. And I they're acting like it's
5: normal. It's not normal. No. what It looks like they were in the middle of a shot. Fucking crazy word, shot. Uh, They're in the middle of this this take, and they, they got bad light, so they had to move the camera. And it's like momentary lapse of thought.
0: I, I think that all three of these I people, Hannah
5: Gutierrez-Reed, Dave Halls, and Alec Baldwin are all culpable for this Ultimately, killing.
4: Alex all three of them are I,
5: reserved, deserve to be investigated no, I and charged for this the the,
1: the 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 woman who was the armorer she made a mistake but she didn't point a weapon at somebody she
5: handed someone a loaded gun so what so that's illegal she
1: didn't well she handed a, 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 a actually i don't think she even handed the weapon to somebody it was the assistant director who picked the gun up and handed it to baldwin okay mm-hmm. so she's got guns and a, and someone comes up and grabs one I don't think necessarily that that that's 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 criminal. They, if it's uh, her job okay. to have the weapons on set. According to the, the story they, director, they went to
5: lunch and then they came back and they just gave. So someone while they were away at lunch, <sighs> the guns were unattended. Yep. That's that's the armor's fault.
1: Yeah, but I don't know if that's, uh, like, are, are you implying that while they're away, someone snuck in and put a live bullet it's in there. It's possible, yeah. But, and which, possible. but in that case, the person who put the bullet in there is at, is at fault. Definitely. Well, there's, that's, like, there's
3: reports that some of the staff were using the, the gun for target just practice, t- target practice yeah, yeah. even before that with live ammunition. So, I mean, this goes along with the kind of narrative that we've been hearing, that they've been cutting corners, that they were just trying to make sure that they produced this movie as cheap as possible. The staff were protesting. They were mad. They walked off set for safety concerns before this incident. They walked off set because of conditions that they said weren't right on this movie set. But Alec Baldwin and the production staff still continued. And, uh, I mean, this is we, where we are right now.
1: We have a story from Fox News. I say, Mark, how do you pronounce that? Garagos? Famed lawyer says he'd be shocked if involuntary manslaughter not brought in Baldwin Rust shooting. I got to be honest. I, I I agree with you. I'd be shocked if there are charges brought. This is a guy who is an establishment activist, you know. She was really well-loved,
5: though.
3: I and he has a lot important. of money in the legal system yeah, here in the United States. It doesn't matter if you're right and wrong. It matters how much money you have. It matters what kind of lawyers you could hire. And he's going to hire – uh, if, if there yeah. is charges, he's going to hire the best lawyers that they are that will give him the best – justice that he could afford and he could afford a lot of it so let's just be honest how the legal system works here because a lot of times it doesn't matter what happened a lot of times it matters who you got on your side and how
5: much money so you you think he'll throw the blame on dave halls who handed him the gun and said it was unloaded i think there's many
3: avenues here i don't know uh but there's many different avenues that i see them running with potentially here
0: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I think, uh, I
1: think there's going to – no one's going to get in trouble for anything. They're going to say it was an accident. Oh, we're so sorry. He's going to make a donation. It'll all just go away.
5: I'm not obsessed with punishment. I, I definitely think that throwing someone in jail isn't necessarily the best way to make sure they don't commit a crime again. But I yeah, definitely I, think I, this looks like a manslaughter.
1: I yeah. agree. Like, what would jailing Alec Baldwin do to prevent him from doing this again? Yeah. I kind of feel like he won't do this again, you know. But people want some kind of emotional satisfaction. Well,
2: it's, I mean, it's not just emotional satisfaction, right? The the the, the justice system serves a variety of functions, but retribution is not just about. Emotional satisfaction with the public. It's about the fact that there was a real harm done, regardless of intent, and there has to be some response to that. The absence of the response is harmful. I'm trying to. I'm I trying agree. to figure out. Yeah, I'm. I'm trying to figure out over here what the deal is with the district attorney, who's you know going to be. Uh, district attorney's office is highly politicized today in 2021, where they were five ten years ago. Um, it's she seems like a she. She seems like a, a career professional, but you know a, she has an enormous amount of power in making these decisions. It turns on. It turns on her. Uh, essentially unlimited discretion whether or not to bring charges.
1: You know, actually, you bring that up, it's actually really simple. Is she a Democrat or a Republican?
2: I she's, I, I, I didn't look it up, uh, but she's Santa Fe District Attorney. She's a Democrat. She's elected.
1: Then he's not going anywhere.
4: Yeah. But what
5: you're, it sounds like maybe you're implying that if nothing happens, if no charges come, that actors in the future won't really care if they happen to also issue a negligent discharge.
2: Oh, no, I think they will. I mean, I think... The, yeah, l- Deterrence matters as well for punishment, right? But, like, in this case, it's not about deterring Alec Baldwin. It's not about deterring other people. Like, Alec Baldwin's probably not going to, like, go out and shoot a bunch of people. But it is about, like, the, the, the primary function of justice system in this case is adjudicating to what extent the person who was harmed was harmed uh, in a way that violated the law. And then if that's true, how they can uh, get reciprocity for that harm.
5: Yeah, well, right, civil, right. a civil suit's coming, and Alec's yeah. going to be paying out millions yeah. to the family. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Regardless She's of like criminal culpability, Alec Baldwin is responsible. Mm-hmm. And it's oh, yeah. remarkable how many stands for Baldwin can't accept that. I'm a big fan of of his work in 30 Rock. You know, Jack Donaghy is one of the funniest characters in a TV show. 30 Rock's amazing. You know, and uh, he's in Beetlejuice. Great. Good for him. He's kind of a bad person, but I yeah. can separate the art from the person. But, you know, let's let, let's talk about the invert, the inverted story. Now we got this with uh, Kyle Rittenhouse. This one actually really surprises me. This is from NPR. Prosecutors cannot call those shot by Kyle Rittenhouse victims. A judge has ruled. And he also ruled they can call them arsonists, rioters, and looters. I didn't see this coming. There's been a few rulings in favor of Kyle Rittenhouse in these pretrial hearings. Hmm. The trial, I believe, is what, six days?
3: November 1st, it's supposed to start. November 1st. Yep, any day now.
1: Oh, man. Jury selection is coming up. I was saying before that I thought Kyle Rittenhouse was going to get life in prison. Right. Because the jury is going to be unwilling to go up against the riots. When those riots happened in Kenosha, the only people who came out and did anything, war, uh, was, for the most part, Rittenhouse and the people with him, the militia guys. The cops said, thank you for being here and gave them water. But do you think the jurors are happy about that? I'm sure they're just like, I wish there was no conflict. Now, if they side with Rittenhouse and those individuals, maybe they can cross their fingers that those people will come out and defend their neighborhood after the riots happen. Or they can say, you know, just he's guilty and he can go to jail and then we don't got to worry about riots at all.
3: This is going to be a very important case because a lot of people are betting on this case. A lot of people, are – you know, there's a lot of implications betting here. Betting like in Vegas? Uh, a lot of people are doubling down and, and investing in this and a lot of people are threatening to riot. A lot of people are threatening, uh, a lot of civil disobedience. A lot of people are threatening to do violence to others if this court decision doesn't go the way that they want it to go. So, so you see this politicized in, in so many different ways and that's why it's, it's going, it's going to be so difficult to actually get true justice this year, I believe. Uh, because of how many people from the outside are involved in this, how many people are investing into this. And what I mean by betting, I mean uh, putting political capital into this because a lot of this hangs in the balance of where this, co- where, where this country is going to go. That's how a lot of people see it. And if they see if Kyle wins, this is going to be a plus for the right-wingers. If Kyle loses, this right. is going to be good for the left-wingers. And uh, these are big sides that are mounting a lot of power behind this major court decision.
2: I think it's... I I think that it's right he's a totem and i mean i don't have a strong opinion on the on the case i mean that's why we have that's why we have an adversarial criminal justice system i i the the jury should know more about it than i do Mm. um but i do think you know the the context of the case uh this sort of like mass temporary collapse of civil society that happened last summer is the context in which this all became possible is the context Mm. in which like a teenager justifiably or not was out patrolling the street yeah, with yeah, a man. weapon yeah. like like something deeper has gone wrong <laughs> Happened, that you yeah. get to that point regardless <laughs> yeah. of whether or not he was justified in the individual shot Where, you, you said wait, you
1: said temporary collapse
4: well, they aren't, they aren't
2: currently, okay, they're not, they're not doing great in Minneapolis, but they aren't currently having exactly, in Kenosha, they're not having exactly the same level of rioting that they were having.
1: I, I think this is a symptom of the greater problem, which is the collapse of civil society. If you take a look at the federal level politics, if you take a look at even state to state politics, it just, it, it, right now, it, it just feels like the law is, if you are in line with the party in power, you're good. If you're not, you're out. Democrats control most of the cultural institutions, basically all of them. Right now, they have Congress and the executive branch. And as much as conservatives might, you know, people might claim the conservatives have the Supreme Court, it's still kind of an establishment conservative based on the Supreme Court, not a populist Trump-supporting one. So what happens? Well, Alec Baldwin likely will, you know, face no charges. Cal Rittenhouse is facing very serious homicide charges. And the crazy thing is, there's a lot of people that want to say Rittenhouse is a hero. I don't think we need to say that. I think the situation was bad all around and people shouldn't have been there. But it's, 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 it's hard to, to, to discern exactly you know how it should have went down. I'm not going to pretend to have all the answers. But when you have someone like Destiny, who is the leftist streamer, getting, he got banned from Twitch's partner program for saying definitively this was the clearest case of self-defense he'd ever seen or something that effect. Right. Like the fact that they charged him with homicide, and these very serious charges, says to me they're expecting to fail.
2: So my, my favorite example is did you follow the case of the uh of the two New York uh highly educated lawyers who yes. got picked yeah, up? Right. Uh Conformatis. <laughs> the Confirmatis the, 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 the and Molotov cocktail one. Yeah. yeah, the guy the, the the two people who went out and like threw Molotov cocktails at cop cars. Um and what I what I love about that story is the rallying to their defense. Like if you go look at if you go look at federal records, uh there were lots of people who got picked up for arson charges, like uh, guys who threw mulch cocktails at the courthouse in Seattle. Uh, people who burned out cop cars. And yet peculiarly, these are the ones who like got a full court press in the media. These, these two highly educated, well connected activists slash lawyers who decided they would go out joyriding with, you know, explosives and attack a cop car. Um,
1: handing them out. Weren't, weren't they giving them out to people?
2: Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> well they and, they, and they, and they received, and they received like, adulatory attention in all of the co- – and the reason is because they know the people who know the people who write the coverage. They are yeah. in the position of power. And so they, they eventually they, – they, they pled guilty. They're going to go out of sentencing. I think they're not – the statute of action is 10 years. not going to get 10 years. They're not getting – nobody Nobody's statute of action. Yeah. There's
3: of major it. media organizations running defense for them. Yeah. Um. I mean I mean. this goes along with what was happening last summer. I mean dozens of people were murdered. People were burned alive. And then we had people like Kamala Harris raising money for them to get them bailed out of jail. Right. So that they've tells found, you they found
1: yeah. in, the in the Minneapolis riots. It was what like a month after a building had burnt to the ground. They found a corpse. <sighs> yep. They didn't even know it was the missing person. They're like, oh, the rioters. Yeah, yeah. The rioters killed him. The murderers well, killed and, him. And yeah. and, right. and you know,
2: it's it's what's what's important about this is is not just the like. The the rioting the rioting happens It's the normalization the cultural normalization of rioting and simultaneously the approbation for law enforcement you know those those were simultaneous phenomena yeah. is like there was there was a collect the, the, the real problem we were being told as our cities were burning was that the cops are too tough right. would well, that
5: be considered murder if you if you burned a building down and there's a person inside that you didn't yes. know yes. was in there of course I would say so, but right? but Good. at the same time a lot of people
3: were unhappy that's, with that's, the cops even degree. on the even on the right because of the lockdowns. Cops are coming along, shutting down small mom and pop businesses. People on the right were like, "Wait, wait, wait! What is this back to blue flag that I have here? That absolutely is is hypocritical for me to have if I See, actually believe in personal freedom and liberty? I was
2: I was I was, I was told coming in that I was going to have to be the one defending the cops. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think I think I think. Look the responsibility the uh, maybe you don't want to litigate that particular topic now, but but in general, the responsibility of the police is is to preserve civil order, and enforce, the laws yeah, and law is written, yeah, and you know allow Walmart and Costco to
3: be open while they shut down the small mom and pop businesses
2: yeah it seems, would you say
3: that's ethical and right and moral?
2: No, I would not say that's ethical or right and yeah. moral. I would also say that the root of the problem is not with is not with policing as an institution.
3: Well, I think I think policing just in general obeying orders from bureaucrats when they're immoral, illegal and decrees is is a huge moral problem in this country and why a lot of people on the right didn't support them when Black Lives Matter stepped onto the streets and were saying, "Hey, we don't like these cops." A lot but, of right-wingers secretly is, were like, "Yeah, yeah, they got a is, point. I don't like them either same, because of what they this just this did the to me." The
2: same attitude yeah. of uh concern or or, or opposition to civil society. It's like, look, at the end of the day, we live in a society that has rules. You don't have to like the rules or processes for changing the rules. I think there's a problem that this process has become increasingly abstracted from uh, democratic accountability. That's yeah. bad. But, like, at the end of the day, if you don't like the rules, you still have to follow them. If you don't, we don't have a society anymore. If you, it, I, we, can't, we can't live in a, yeah. no. yeah. a society where uh, you can be free to throw a Molotov cocktail at people and get free, free defense in the press. And while I agree that uh, unequal fortune is bad and bad rules are bad. Like the, the ground trust in that law and order, I think, is, is critical for running a stable, functioning polity.
1: And, and you're right, except when it comes to Luke's examples, the police were shutting down businesses by decree without legislative process. So these were cops who were saying, Look, it's not a law, it's not democratic, it's not legal. But the guy who signs my checks told me to do it, yep. so I'm going to do it anyway.
3: And they did it selectively, yep. so now, the well, politicians' friends got to do whatever they wanted to well, the take, billionaire take class. A,
1: take a look at De Blasio painting Black Lives Matter in the street mm, and right. then sending 27 cops to defend that. That was an illegal or, seizure of taxpayer dollars to do.
2: Or, or uh, sure, sure. And, you know, I think I think hypocrisy on the part of executives is a major problem throughout the pandemic. If it's if it's Gavin Newsom dining at. Um, uh, the French they, restaurant, yeah. the laundry restaurant. Uh, the laundry, <laughs> <Yeah>. French laundry. <laughs> yeah. If it's uh, all the big city mayors who have been caught not wearing masks or they continue to impose mask mandates <laughs> in their cities, it's a major pro, uh, uh, like, uh, Biden administration officials who keep getting picked up not wearing
1: masks in public, um, on the Amtrak. Yeah, Larry Lightfoot was, there was, and there Nancy
3: a, Pelosi getting their yeah.
1: hair did. Yeah. And, and what, Mer- yeah. There was a, uh, uh, an incident in North Jersey where when they shut down all the businesses, a woman was doing a Facebook live stream showing off the things she sold and cops came to her business and said, ma'am, you need to close. And she goes, what are you talking about? We are closed. And they're like, no, turn your phone off. That's the crazy thing. There was no law saying you couldn't post a video online and say, hey, I got stuff. You want to buy it? And the cops came and threatened her. Who are these cops? These are the people. So so this is the problem I have. If this is the direction policing is going, where cops are quitting over vaccine mandates... They're refusing to abide by the edicts, and those who will abide by the edict are staying in place, then we don't have what you described, police officers keeping civil society you know, functioning and and enforcing the rules. What we have are people who are not enforcing the rules, who are just acting as lackeys for despots who are ruling by decree, in which case we need to stop that. Now, if abolishing the police is too extreme, and maybe it is, then we need to fire all the cops that are unwilling to abide by the law. And then hire cops who are. And how we do that, maybe it's a review process then. But all of these cops that are remaining right now need to be questioned. It's like, hey, we have you on video shutting down a small business by decree. We're firing you because of that. Or we have a video of you beating a black man in the street for no reason, yeah, you're getting fired over that
2: yeah so so but I so so I think that's right you want to, you want to fire the guy who beats a black man on the street for no reason every cop that I have talked to says independent of the like merits of the case like Derek Chauvin was not the guy that they want to beat he's not they, they, they were not fans of his every cop that I have spoken right. to right um they, like he was he was he he was doing something wrong um but I think I think policing in particular is so subject to this like very particular um, uh, critical lens where we like pick out the most high salience harms. Uh, do I think that you know you, you you can go back and forth about like the the validity of public health edicts or the like the the arbitrary way in which they were enforced? All laws can be enforced arbitrarily, but I think there are lots of abuses. But I don't think that it, what I'm interested in defending is like the institution of policing as such, because yeah.
3: that's the thing that I think is under attack. I, I, I kind of disagree with you because you know people throughout history. You know, always argue we need to do the legal thing. Well, it was legal to segregate people based on their race. It was legal to put people in extermination camps. It was legal to do all horrible atrocities that governments have committed throughout yeah, human ab- history. Absolutely. And it was written decree by the law, by executives, by, by, you know, whatever processes. And I think some of those have to be questioned sometimes.
2: The, the law, the law, right, absolutely. Laws, the law is the least worst governance that we have, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's just, be- it's, it's not good. It's just better than the absence thereof. Um, I would no, maybe oh, maybe <laughs> Ma- m-
3: maybe I would okay. I would argue that there would be less I think, harm
2: I think as we were discussing to bring yeah. the conversation full circle the the thing that gave birth to cover in house is what anarchy looks like I think that that is absolutely not that's
1: okay. anarcho tyranny
3: no 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 if it wasn't the for the on. state incentivizing putting fuel on that fire making that fire that much worse working hand in hand with the mainstream media showing that George Floyd footage over and over again enraging people we would have never happened if you Luke, didn't have so many state elements participating the in
1: cops it were there they were for, they, for for days these people were burning down buildings there's a video where a, a guy in his 70s was his, his mattress store I think it was was being burned down and when he tried stopping people someone went behind him and cracked him over this over the head with a rock left him lying on the ground unconscious and bleeding out And the police stood back and did nothing. So why why -hmm. am I going to support these guys? Why am I going to pay for these guys? When Kyle Rittenhouse and his crew showed up, the cops said, thank you for being here and gave them water. So then, just one last point. When it finally reaches the point where they were pushing a flaming dumpster towards a gas station, and they were. We have video footage, and we've had three different—we had four—no, we've had five witnesses witnesses on this show telling us that's what they were doing. And the police did nothing. What do we do? We can sit back and say there was a good possibility the gas station could have blown up. Or Kyle Rittenhouse took a fire extinguisher and put the fire out so they tro- they chased after him, and then someone fired around either into the air or at him, depending on who you ask. The press says in the air, New York Times says that some witnesses we've spoken to said it was at him, and then he turned and was attacked by Rosenbaum and fired in self defense. If the police were doing their job, this none of this would have happened.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. There you go. <laughs> no, okay, so so you guys had Michael Schellenberger on recently, right? Yeah. Um and, and Schellenberger in his book, he got uh what he claims is like the first at length interview with Carmen Best, who was the uh she was chief police in oh, yeah. Seattle, yeah. Um, where, where the, the Chaz Chop protests happened. Um, and she was the one who got the order to give up the fifth precinct and like retreat after they took over the precinct and like established their little autonomous zone. And when she says, she's like, this is insane. Why are you telling me it's just like very basic strategy? You don't give up a defended position to like a bunch of like rioters. Uh, but she was ordered to. And I think, I, I think the reason for that is that there was a sense that police activity and adver- harmful police activity, in no matter how justified, was going to be punished in the in the public eye more than rioter
1: activity was. So it's like when you go to the ice cream shop and there's a little kid screaming, "I want two scoops." The mom's like, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'll give you. Can you give me two more scoops?" He's gonna he'll stop yelling if I do, and then he mm. never stops. Yeah. The police need to come in and say. What you are doing is illegal. Right. You are hurting people and burning down buildings, and no. we will respond in kind but to there's, stop but there's, you. But
2: there's, but there's no, I, there, there's a sense. So, so you talk about you're talking about officers leaving over vaccine mandates. Um, but you know, cops have been departing big city departments, uh, either retiring or resigning, or most frequently, as far as I can tell, going to other more friendly jurisdictions. And when you talk to them, what they say is basically like, I don't believe that the civilian leadership is going to have my back. I don't believe that it's if true. I make the wrong call, I think they're going to throw me under the bus because my job is not popular.
0: Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Ah, in my dentist's office. Like, are you a fist pumper, a woo a hand-clapper, a high-fiver? I kind of like the high-five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
3: There's an element of that, but there's also a lot of police officers that are brown-nosing and are saying you want me to leave you want me to give this police precinct to these crazy people sure have it yeah there's police officers standing by i remember watching police officers twiddle their thumbs as like rioters were just taking new york city by storm it's
1: really simple then it's really simple the system's broken the police aren't policing the system doesn't work the institution as we've we've known it and want to protect is gone and so now my fear is what re- what remains are cops who are unwilling to enforce against rioters because of bad optics and because they won't get protected. But they're more than hap- they're more than happy to arrest you for bearing arms, your constitutional right, and they're more than happy to uh, fine people and do all of the administrative and bureaucratic, you know, uh, civil violation stuff. So all that's going to happen is people are going to say. I was going like five over and I got pulled over dude give me a break some dude burned down my favorite restaurant last night y'all did nothing for it so if we're getting only the worst of policing and it's not just the police's fault because of it it's it's you know also civilian leadership then what are we actually defending well but I think but I think it's a policy
2: choice right it's not the case that you know it's it's not the case that necessarily this needs to be to be the arrangement I think it's the case that uh, you know there, there's when I was talking at Schellenberg's book, San Francisco, you know, I think one of the things that come San San Francisco, one of the things that comes across is really a theme of contemporary progressivism is that socially deviant, harmful behavior should be tolerated and socially normal behavior, the average person should be highly regulated. That Mm -hmm. like, if you want to do drugs and camp out on the sidewalk and poop Poop. there, (laughs) you can do that and we will pay you to do it. But (laughs) you have, Everybody has to be subject to the mask mandate. Everybody has to have their soda soda banned. Ooh, diaper um, mandate. Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, but I think you know, I think I think that that is that is a theory of urban governance. That's a progressive theory of urban governance. It's like, and the, the, the thing that happened in the riots is that the judgment call was made that it would be more harmful to the legitimacy of the city to see cops stopping riots than it would just be to like let everything burn. Down. And this is this propagated through the media, right? NPR published why rioting is good. Uh, everybody everywhere was in defense was like, of looting. Well, in defense of looting, Everybody was like, well, the insurance companies will pay out, so ah, it's fine. Ah. You know, and they hos- didn't. hosing the hosing the small business owners in the process. You know, there, there's a there's a systematic choice that was made to say uh this deviant behavior will be tolerated because the legitimacy of the system is in question. If it isn't tolerated, so you know, I I, I take your point about the selectiveness. I just think the problem is like several layers levels up from the cops per se. And excuse me, the problem is like. <laughs> terrible governance
1: decisions. I want to I segue into the story we have. This is from Fox News. John Oliver, you know him, you love him, huh. says effing let police officers who resist vaccine mandates quit. Oliver argued resistance to vaccine mandates sums up the core issue with American police. I'm sure it does. But uh, we're, we're segwaying se- segueing from the story that ultimately I think you know, we were talking about the Kyle Rittenhouse riots. We're talking about how the police were standing down in the, in the George Floyd riots. I shouldn't say Kyle Rittenhouse riots. The, the George Floyd riots in which – or that was the Jacob Blake riots. Sorry. Yeah. There's so many. I so get confused many. sometimes. Um, and we will soon have the Kyle Rittenhouse riots because there's trial soon. But the ultimate result, I think, is going to be cops quitting. And so we have this story, which is really interesting because police are quitting. A bunch of cops. I think NYPD is suing over the vaccine mandate. Is that that's I believe right? So. N- I NYPD. That. Chicago, they're they're instructing the officers to defy the mandate in Baltimore. They're doing the same thing. The end result, I think, is going to be cops quitting. And here's the funny thing. We've we've long been saying now, like long as in the past couple of weeks, the left should be cheering for this. They wanted to defund the police, abolish the police. They should be happy, right? Turns out they are. Fox News reports. Last week, tonight, host John Oliver took aim at police officers who have yet to get the vaccine, encouraging them to effing quit. Quote, the police are supposed to be keeping the public safe. That is the point of their jobs. Yet some don't seem to give much of an ish about that. The liberal host single liberal host singled out Chicago and New York police departments is fall uh, falling under that category. CBD officers, he noted, resisted uploading their vaccination statuses to a portal. Over 20 officers are on no pay status for refusing to comply. He also shared a video of a pair of NYPD officers who were seen removing a commuter from the subway while they themselves were unmasked. That video was actually kind of funny. You see it? A guy in a mask yells at the cops to put a mask on so they kick him out of the subway. That's crazy. Now, I think they they are going to be happy. I think the left is effectively getting their abolish the police through this or defund them at the very least. Well, abolish the police was never really about
3: abolishing the police. It was about a loyalty test. It's making sure that the police that are going to enforce their edicts and their decrees are going to stay there, and the people who are going to question it are, of course, going to be kicked out. And to me, John Oliver just kind of confirmed how much of a loyalty test these VAX mandates are, because a lot of the people who are compliant, a lot of the people who are saying, yes, I'll just do whatever you tell me, are the people who have taken the VAX. Some of the people who can't take the VAX or don't want to take the VAX are more people who are not in line with the state who question the state who still are waiting for a lot of the data to come in are people who are usually skeptical of centralized authorities so this to me is going to shift things in a major dramatic way as of course there's estimates that major cities could lose one-third of their police forces because of these mandates now when you have such a huge loss with crime already going up dramatically in cities this is a recipe for a disaster and to me Only propagates a situation where, of course, you're going to have politically divided people more and more in certain areas that may or may not go against each other. But we also have the news that in Florida, the governor there, Ron DeSantis, is offering police officers $5,000 in a signing bonus if they refuse to take the vaccine and relocate to Florida and decide to be police officers there. Indiana as well, $5,000. I, I don't
2: know the number, but there's, uh, there's a push. There's an similar.
3: Indiana Police Department that said that, that they're going to welcome all the Chicago police That's officers, right, yeah. uh, who, whichever police officers do not want to take the vaccine. Uh, there's also a Chicago Police Union president that has been uh, censored. He can't speak about the vaccine and what's going on right now. Uh, but before he was censored by a court, he was making some pretty good points about how a lot of these policies are discriminatory, how a lot of his officers can't take the vaccine, don't want to take the vaccine, have natural herd immunity. He was making some really good legitimate arguments. But this is a major issue. And this mandate really will be the true loyalty test that will separate this nation into very, very far away political spectrums. That hopefully are able to stay together away from each other peacefully. There's but a lot of most reasons. likely not.
1: There's a lot of reasons why I thought we should get away from the city. We were originally in the Philadelphia area. We're on the Jersey side. And uh, we wanted to, we, we almost bought a building out there, but sale kind of fell through and it was just, you know, COVID hit. And then I thought, you know what? We need space. We need space. We need to cheap, we need cheap space and we should be in New Jersey for a variety of reasons. And one of those was that as much as the cops we had were actually really good, we had a, we had a small department with a handful of guys who were they were quick, they were they were good people. I talked to them, you know, I would go into the the, the, the the police station and talk to them and they were they were great. Moderate individuals, not crazy Trumpers, but certainly not authoritarian. And I just kind of thought as things get crazy and they issue these lockdown orders, and just north of where we lived was the Atlas Gym where the cops actually came and arrested arrested a guy, I guess. Ian know, he, Smith, right? Ian yeah. Smith, yeah, he's the guy who runs the gym. And the initial, the first cops who came, came there were like, we're not going to enforce this. Have a nice day. So they pulled cops from out of town. And I was like, if they can do that, staying in this place is a really, really bad idea because the cops aren't going to protect you. They're going to oppress you. They're going to tell you that by decree, you can't leave your home. You can't go to the store. You can't do these things, but they're not going to be there when you need them. And so I thought, you know what? I would rather be somewhere with no cops. So where we are right now, if you call the cops, they might be here in, I don't know, half an hour longer. And where I live, good luck. It's a mountain. And so like my actual house and as much as there's still risks there because then everything's on you. One thing I noticed is that a lot of people have said people are actually reluctant to go up into a mountain full of right-wing nut jobs and commit crimes because everyone there is armed to the teeth. Not that anybody actually ever shoots anybody. They don't. But people knowing that cops aren't going to come, they don't climb a mountain and then try to rob mountain in the yeah. cities P- P- people got a lot of guns in the cities too though yeah but not, not you usually know, the criminal that, class that, that, but look 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 in new jersey where i was told explicitly by the police by multiple departments that if someone breaks into my house with a gun and fires at me i have an obligation to flee my own home yep, yep. i'm yeah. like yeah yeah. we had someone try to line. break in and i'm like what do i do the one cop goes i'd answer the door the shotgun And so I looked it up and I talked to them. and they're like, oh, but if you use it, you'll go to prison. What they said was it's a semi-castle doctrine state. What that means is you have an affirmative defense to shoot someone who enters your home, but you will be arrested and charged first. Then after you spend a night in jail and try and get bailed out, out, which you might not, you can tell the judge why you were justified in shooting the man who was trying to kill you, your friends and your family. And so I'm like, I'm gonna have to argue in court that I don't want to jump from the, the, the we, we we didn't have a back door. The first floor went over a balcony because it was on a hill. and I'm like, so I gotta jump off a 20 store you know for 20 feet up, slide down a pull a beam on my deck, or defend myself with a I'm, I'm getting out of this state. this is insane. Yeah. West Virginia doesn't have those problems, my friend.
2: look I, I, so you know and and I, that's good. West Virginia and West Virginia has a lot of problems. It does not have a crime right. problem. It has a drug yes. problem. <laughs> it's a drug problem. It's a remarkable it has a fact, big pharma by the
3: pro- it's not a drug problem. It's a, big, right. pharma problem it's a, it's a big pharma, pharma problem. That made it a drug it's problem.
2: problem. It's, not. it's a drug problem. Huh? It's a drug problem. Yeah, problem, it's a drug problem, problem, problem that not.
3: was exacerbated by the big pharma. Uh, no. Yes, I agree. Well,
4: we <laughs> okay. Could, we could <laughs> we we, talk
3: we, about this we can debate this later on the after show, but we could agree to disagree. Okay. Sure. Um
2: uh West Virginia does but Look, most, most crime in America, not all crime, most crime in America, increasingly, most crime in America is concentrated in cities. 80, that's because 80% of people live in metropolitan areas. Right. Um, so, you know, you don't get a lot of crime in rural West Virginia because nobody lives in rural West Virginia. Nobody's come out and try to shoot you. Um, but, you know, I think, I think we have a situation the conversation in terms of like, uh, um, we saw the largest single year percentage-wise and absolute terms increase in homicide on record last year. Uh, aggravated results rose 11%. Uh, grand Theft Auto rose 11% nationwide. It was much worse in individual cities. There are cities in America, Baltimore, Chicago, where the homicide rate, uh, particularly the homicide rate for young black men, exceeds 100 per 100,000. That's an enormous... The, the nationwide figure is like six. Mm. Um, that's an enormously high rate. So that's... Crime Crime is a real and increasing problem in the United States. Uh, by comparison to the rest of the world, crime is an intolerable problem in the United States. 20,000, 15, 20,000 people die a year of homicide. Uh, compare that rate to any other developed nation; it's inconceivable. That's thing one. Thing two is got that we got a culture know. problem. Well, we have a whole host of problems, yeah. but but from a, you know the root causes don't matter. What matters is what solves the problem. And The answer is we got a lot of really high quality evidence that police are an effective tool for reducing crime. That if you put cops in an area, crime declines in that area. That if you increase police forces, crime goes down. We're not talking about just uh just like minor
1: crimes. We're talking about homicide. But but let's think about those budgets for for a second. I mean. Yeah, I've been to some countries where they have very they, they 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 don't have armed cops. You know, like South America has the Garda, and they got a lot of crime for sure in a lot of areas. But you, you know what? Maybe it's. You look at Scandinavia, and they're, they're an example of how countries are just very different. The left likes to use them as an example of how proper policing can be done, but then you're like, but they're small and they're different. In the United States, we do have a lot of cops. We do have massive police. Well, we, budgets. we actually,
2: we actually, so first of all, we don't have massive police. We spend about 3% of all dollars go to cops. It's a hundred, excuse me, of all, of all government spending across local, state, and federal. It's like,
1: what's, a, what's a comparable country with? Uh,
2: but so, so, so the, so the second point is, we we not spend a huge amount of money on cops. The second point is like, in ter- compared to OECD countries, costs per capita, we're like in the middle. Like, we don't actually, we have way more prisoners capac- per capita. Our, our prison capacity is enormous. Uh, our cops are like, eh, middling. Um, we absolutely, there's, there's, uh, there's high quality estimates. There's a guy named Aaron Chalfan at, um, uh, Penn and another fellow whose name is escaping me who do estimates of the returns to policing. And their argument is that American cities are systematically under policed. Uh, for the simple reason that like, the amount of money that we spend versus the amount of money that we could save, uh, in real value, if fewer people were murdered, if there were fewer if there were fewer thefts, uh, if there were fewer assaults, uh, the- the benefit- the benefits that we leave on the table dramatically outweigh the amount, the amount of money that we're spending now.
3: Well, there's also another aspect to entertain here, and that's a lot of uh, the blue flu going around, a lot of police officers refusing to do their job. There's also the fact that the NYPD has, you know, almost the same amount of, of members as many militaries around the world, almost comparable to uh some of the top militaries out there they have a whole NYPD intelligence unit that literally has spies all over the world i i would say that you know them spending 5 billion dollars is a lot of money for policing that many times they decide not to do well, and participate or even enforce the the the, the NYPD okay
2: a Militaries and police forces are apples to oranges. The number of things police forces have to do much larger than the number of things police forces have to do. B, the New York City is a dramatic success story in terms of public safety. If you look at violent crimes decline since the 1990s, uh, it's fallen dramatically across the United States, across major cities, uh, homicide, uh, crimes of violence, etc. Um the decrease in New York City is 50% larger. Than other cities. Um, Frank Zimmering, who's a criminologist at UC Berkeley, looks at all the relevant factors in his book on this called uh, uh, The City That Became Safe. And his argument is that the root explanation is basically like there was a transition to more policing and more and better policing in New York City in the 90s. Like the NYPD, there are certainly uh, – it, it is an enormous department. They spend a lot of time and a lot of money on a lot of different things. Um, but – it's hard to argue with the results in terms of crime reduction. New York City in homicide rate turns, for example, looks so much better than comparable cities in the United States. It's insane.
4: How do you compare what
3: has. happened within the last few months and last year when, when crime and violence has gone up so dramatically? Yeah, but, but, How you, do you explain it? I mean, that, that's yeah, just yeah. for, you know, um, so, I'm just asking you legitimately, I'm not trying to counter You, you
2: know, sure. I mean, so, so the last year's trends are, I think, alarming and it's unclear and there's a live debate about what caused the increase. Um there's a, is, is is it covid and there's there lockdowns. I think that there's some argument there, but I find it ultimately uncompelling for reasons I can enumerate. You know, I do think ultimately if you look at the timing of when the increases happen, if you look at where they happen, uh it comes down to a concert this goes this back to the conversation, a concerted national effort uh, to delegitimize policing and to delegitimize the police. Like, if, if you agree with the claim that cops reduce crime, uh, that cop presence reduces crime, and then you start punishing cops for showing up, you start saying, it's not cool to be a cop, it's, we, we hate the cops, we want to defund the police, cops are racist pigs who want to murder us, uh you're going to lose policing capacity when you lose policing capacity crime is going to go up and that's what we saw happen dramatically last year. I'm not sure that explains uh l- l- let me let me just I think
3: there's uh, so many variables that we could add there's on to this
2: but uh, there's uh, there's there also mass decarceration. We are by best estimates at like a tenth of the jail population that we were in March or in February of 2020 um and that's going to have an impact at the margins. Um but like uh, I, I, I did some data analysis today. I looked at 911 calls in Seattle, because there's a, there's a paper arguing, looking at 911 calls as evidence that, uh, cops lost legitimacy after George Floyd's death. 911 mm-hmm. calls went down. Um, and one of the arguments that I make in response to this paper is, uh, data that looks at calls for service by cops usually looks at both calls by civilians, like you pick up the phone and call 911. You're like, Hey, uh, there's a crime, but also calls by cops to, uh, uh, to the the center that manages dispatch. Um, it's hard to disaggregate those data. The people writing this paper didn't disaggregate this data. they assumed it was all civilians. If you look in Seattle, which is where you're able to get really good numbers, you look at calls from cops and you look at calls from civilians. After the week after George Floyd's death, calls from civilians are flat. They remain the same. Calls from cops, cops 80%, 70%. Wow. Um, and have persisted consistently. That's wow. a measure of police activity, police proactivity. Wow. Uh, you can look at employment in big cities. You can look at the NYPD. You can look at Minneapolis PD collapsed. You can look at stops and arrests collapsed. Um, by uh, across metrics in large, not not across the country, but in large cities, there's good reason to believe that. Uh, cops, cops are doing less and less practice. And you can argue that that's bad. I think it's not great. I would prefer that cops like selflessly kept going out and doing their jobs no matter the incentives. But you should also be willing to say, like actually, the incentives are pretty bad right now. To actually
3: be a cop and do the cop's work. Yeah. And, and, and in some elements, I definitely agree with you, and I think you did bring up some important points. Uh, but what do you think about the George Soros-appointed district attorneys? Do you think that they play a role in allowing a lot of criminals to to be let off for a lot of the violent crimes, for a lot of the, some people say, petty crimes? But but I, I think there might be a correlation with a lot of people being sent off while, while they're committing hard crimes. Meanwhile, political crime, I would argue, is being prosecuted very heavy-handedly, especially if you believe in the wrong kind of political ideology
1: yeah well let me let me i want want to jump to a story here actually because this is a really really crazy tweet i saw from mike cernovich cernovich says judge amy jackson released a j6 defendant from pretrial custody after he disavowed trump in a letter and his lawyer suggested a political conversion i've never seen anything like this ever so here's a guy who's been in jail now for what is it going on nine months Mm -hmm and there's been horrifying conditions there's a guy whose hand was broken they didn't give him medical treatment a judge held the it was it the warden and the and the and the D. director yeah. and the director of the department of corrections i guess got held in contempt and now you've you they've seen the writing on the wall mm-hmm. disavow the politics you previously supported and they'll let you go you would call this, this
5: re-education.
1: right mm-hmm. this is the state of uh, of our current political and law enforcement environment if that's the case i think we are are, are we already beyond that, that 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 red line past the? Yeah, yeah.
5: Cone? September 11th and the Patriot Act was the red line. When they signed the Patriot Act, they crossed the red line.
1: There's there's a lot of stuff that happened throughout history, though. There, there's a lot there. there that, that's true. I think that was a major turning point, but there were other things that people you could say cross on the Gulf of Tonkin, cross the line. They
5: can arrest anyone at any time with the and, Patriot Act. Then there Act was the and NDAA. you infi- infi- indefinitely for no reason. What? That's insane. Well, there you go. I guess well, they're doing it.
3: Well, I I would just kind of you know, go back to the point. What do you think about the kind of prosecution of political crimes while George Soros's appointed uh, AGs usually let a lot of criminals off?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, I think I think the progressive prosecutor movement. You know, it's it's harder to track um, what's going on. One of the reasons you're able to criticize cop, people are able to criticize cops so effectively is because big city police departments release a lot of information. Uh, DA's offices are not actually that transparent like you there some of these progressive offices are getting a little more transparent which is nice because you can see where they're not prosecuting uh larry krasner not pursuing gun crimes in Mm. philadelphia for example um it's hard to figure out what the impact has been in the short run but i suspect in the long run like petty crime will flourish if you look at a city like san francisco what has happened with shoplifting there is clearly in part a byproduct of the state's decision to say that uh, theft under $950 will no longer be treated as felonious theft. It's partially a product of decisions by DAs like Chesa Boudin to say uh these offenses are not a serious issue. These minor offenses – and this goes back to the point that I was making earlier. It's like if behavior is perceived as socially deviant in certain ways – then it's considered acceptable and not deserving of punishment. If behavior is perceived as, you know, I don't have a strong opinion about this particular case, I don't know all the details, but I think it is certainly true that people can be prosecuted, if not by the law, then certainly the court of public opinion for uh, opinions which are not deemed acceptable by the mainstream media, by public commentators, uh, in a way that they are not for doing things like petty shoplifting across... Uh, running a shoplifting yep. ring across San Francisco.
3: I think a lot of cops are uh, also disenfranchised. I think there's a lot more of the blue flu going around than we even know about. I think that's one of the reasons. But, but also, it's, it's kind of understandable because a lot of these cops are like, okay, I, I booked this guy, I risked my life to put him in jail, and then he's just let out the next day. What the hell is going on here? Why should I even risk my safety to do this again when everyone also hates me? So I think there's an element of this that, that should be talked about and considered.
2: When, when you talk about something like bail reform... Um, um, and you know, they're, they're better, you know, I think, I think this is a strong argument that cash bail is not a great idea, that you, you shouldn't be let in or out of jail because of yeah. your ability to pay as opposed to your risk to society, which is something you can do. But you look at uh, New York State's original bail law, which rather than assessing risk, uh, just sort of released people, uh, create a strong presumption of release for many classes of offenders. And the effect was, you were seeing guys get picked up and arrested 20 times, and they were out the very next day. And it's like, what is the, you're right, what is the point of running a criminal justice system? Uh, and my, my colleague, Rafael Mangual, at, at, at the Manhattan Institute likes to say, criminals don't specialize. The guy who is getting picked up for, like, uh, jumping a turnstile or public indecency. He's the same guy who thinks it's cool to jack a car. And that's the same, there's, there's a case, a terrible case in San Francisco. Guy stole, a guy was out on bail, thanks to Chester Boudin, stole a car, should have been in prison, should have been in jail, uh, and ran over and killed two pedestrians, uh, an old lady and her, and her daughter, her, no, her niece. Um, it's, it's, it's a horrible case. And, you know, what happens is that, Criminals don't specialize. The guy the guy who gets who gets stuck in jail for one thing will if gets let out, he is often the guy who goes on to commit a more serious offense.
1: Either there are powerful elites that know they're burning the country to the ground and they like the fact that many of these leftist and establishment democrat types are too stupid to realize what's going on, or they're all really stupid <laughs> and just marching in lockstep because they're not smart enough to realize they're burning the place to the ground. You look at the policies in the cities with these Soros DAs and they're like I'm going to release this violent offender. And then he kills somebody. And it's like, well, who could have seen that coming?
5: I kind of agree with you, Charles, that there are like two types of people, one that respects the law and one that doesn't respect the law. But then I see people like Julian Assange and Edward Snowden, who they made specific crimes that you got to wonder, is that law just that that they'd violated? Like, was Hitler's restoration of the professional civil service of April 7th, 1933, which excluded Jews from civil service? Was that a just law?
2: I mean, no, no, it wasn't. I like, I like so that, Jews being the civil service. The, the criminals that violated
5: uh, that law weren't the kind of criminals that would mug no, someone. Yeah, necessarily. That is,
2: sure, and 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 even even uh, not Nazi Germany can create. We can create unjust laws. We live under unjust laws now. I think so. Uh, but like part of the principle of living in a republic is that we don't get to flout laws that we don't like, right? Like like we live under. We we have some agreement. Um, I think I think it is. I think it is. Like, it's not necessarily that everybody's malicious. It's not necessarily that everyone's stupid. It's like, I think about the mayor of Seattle, Jenny Durkin Durkheim, I forget her last name, um, who looked at the at the Chaz Chop Zone and was like, "This is the summer of love." Huh. Like these people <laughs> that live... went to our house. You know, the, the people who are getting shot and murdered in New York and Chicago and Baltimore are not the people who are running the city. Uh, 90 plus percent of homicide victims in New York City every year are black or Hispanic. They're not the people who are running. You know, Eric Adams is a black dude. He lives in New Jersey, but he is a black dude. Um, but. Generally, he he's not coming from the context of the people who are getting shot. So I think a lot of it comes down to sort of abstraction into political ideology. It's like, I believe that these people are at the center of systems of oppression, so I just need to sort of liberate them from this. It's like, nah, these I don't think it's that genuine.
3: I don't think it's that loving and caring. These people don't live with them. They're not in the same communities, and I agree with that particular point. But to think that a lot of these people making these policies are not seeing the effects of them – I think it is not a realistic point. I think they know exactly what they're doing. I think it's leading to a system that they want, uh, uh, a situation that they want, that has people fighting each other, arguing with each other. It has people unhappy, has people unhealthy, has people being victims of crime more than ever. And I think that benefits a system that thrives off of that. And and I think I would I would argue that rather than, I, I know what's right. I'm going to help these people. I, they pretend to say that, but at the end of the day, they
5: know that they're not doing that. I don't like that uh that rep small group of representatives are in charge of making the laws anymore it doesn't seem right with mil- three hundred and fifty million of us that have access to the internet and doing this together that we've given it up the power to like six hundred people it doesn't make any sense because you see these bastardized laws that they're creating and enforcing and like the NDAa they can just de- grab someone out of their house and stick them in Guantanamo for as long as they want that's mm. That's not
1: when they we, when they took a what were they like a red uh, what was it a red rider little wagon with five thousand pages for the omnibus oh, bill yeah. and they're like carting it into the Congress and they're like nobody read it nobody's gonna read it let's make it a law yeah. that's a that's a functional system right there huh <laughs> no. no no it's not <laughs> <laughs> thank
4: you thank you
1: <laughs>
3: Good point, David. I appreciate that. But I think there's a bigger conversation to be had here because uh, when we look at the statistics, especially within the last few months, it, it, the people are getting screwed over here. People are getting hurt more than ever. People are being victims of crime more than ever. People are becoming more unhealthy, more unhappy. Uh, you know, They're getting robbed economically every step of the way here. and And a lot of this comes from a lot of these politicians saying, I'm going to help you. They're not helping you. They know they're not helping you because look who's benefiting off of this. A lot of multinational corporate elites, a lot of billionaires who are making – raking in record profits while everyone else is having a harder well, time making it buy. To
1: be fair, I mean you can just follow Nancy Pelosi and buy what she yeah. – buy the stocks yeah. that she yes. buys, <laughs> right? And, and 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 come on. When all this went down, it should have been obvious to everybody that you could just buy the stock for Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson, Moderna, Amazon. Walmart's private, though. Walmart's not publicly traded. I think it's private. You could have bought Amazon stock. That went through the roof. So, of course, it was benefiting the billionaires, but it was also benefiting the millionaires. Yes. See? Yeah. So That's if you were a millionaire, thing. you were doing all right. Oh, you guys are talking about working class people. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah the working class people were screwed completely.
2: Uh, you know, I think I think sort of my my response to that point is – so, like, this is not the worst violent crime has been in the United States, right? There, there's a – uh, for viewers under the age of 30 who do not remember – I'm under the age of 30. But, like, for viewers who do not remember the 80s and 90s, um violent, uh, homicide rates were substantially higher, violent crime rates. Uh You couldn't walk through Times Square in New York City because it was like a den of prostitution, sin, and iniquity.
1: Well, well um, hold on. Do you know why homicide rates were substantially higher before 2007? Why? Cell phones. Our right, Lack of cell phones. So – what one thing that's, that needs to be considered that, um, when it comes to tracking the homicide rate is that once cell phones became ubiquitous, violent crime that resulted in death became violent crime that didn't result in death because people could call 911 immediately. Whereas before this, they would rush to find a phone. And so what ends up happening is there's an illusion. That there's a major drop off in violent crime. When there isn't, there's, well, it's the same, it, there's a similar level of crime. It is going down.
2: Yeah, but the, so, 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 so the violent crime rate declines substantially from 1994. The homicide rate falls from about 1989. Um, and actually there's a leveling off around the Great Recession in the, in the violent crime rate, although not, then the homicide rate but, was but but up and that,
1: that actually meant that, ho- that violent crime was skyrocketing, right? Or, or, so, so I'll put it this way. Homicides changed because of cell phones into attempted murders and so you had less people dying that substantially changed the nature of how crimes were being reported so when you look at the great recession it's like oh it's flat actually people are surviving the violent attacks i mean you would you would you would expect an
2: increase in the in the aggravated assault and violent crime rate then which doesn't happen i mean i i i, I believed in improvements in trauma medicine and uh so so there's a great um you look at uh what's his name uh, Stephen Pinker. That,
1: that, that it could be that people weren't reporting the crimes. Yeah. And if well, there's a corpse on the ground, it gets reported.
2: Yeah. So, so, I mean, I, homi- homicide is sort of the, the historically most reliable indicator, right? Because there's a corpse on the ground. Um, but like, we can plausibly compare the 1990s to the early 2000s. We say that violent crime is substantially lower. Um, you can, you can quibble about like what the, what the direction of that is with the magnitude of the change, but it's like, it's definitely down. The point that I wanted to make is that like, violent crime rose in the 60s and the 70s. Uh, I think, largely for ideological reasons They're, all of the same ideas were in the water that we should convert that we, the, 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 the criminal justice system should be primarily rehabilitative that cops were violent and dangerous and racist, and that they needed to be like hemmed. frankly they were more violent and dangerous and racist than they are now, like cops were way worse fifty years ago than they are today, sixty years ago than they are today um that uh that what we really needed was like a more therapeutic state that like looked after everybody. And these ideas like had enormous currency in the sixties and seventies. Uh and there was a there was a retraction of criminal justice capacity, there was a retraction of uh policing and incarceral incarceral capacity, and the result was predictable. Like these ideas go in and out of fashion. They come in and out of style. And I
1: think that they're coming back now. Well so I want to ask you, um you know, before the show you were saying that you think the Republicans are gonna win. (laughs) They're gonna they're gonna Do you think the Republicans are going to win in 2022? Yeah, I
2: mean, I think all I think all the fundamentals are there, right? Like, uh, Joe Biden's Joe Biden's approval is underwater. Uh, uh, Democratic president takes office, the GOP usually wins and the usually gains seats in the following election. Uh, the GOP could totally blow it. But, I think if they play their cards right, then Kevin McCarthy's speaker. I think that's likely. It's a, it's a narrow margin in the House as is.
1: And what do you think, what do you, what do you think the first thing they'll do is? Oh, well, so this I'm is, not, this I'm is not, what I said. I'm not, I'm not just the
2: first thing they'll do. Right, no, 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 <laughs> that's
1: why I'm asking specifically. Do you think, okay, I'll just get into it. Yeah. You said they're gonna impeach Biden. Oh, I, yeah. I want that to happen. But do you think it'll be the first thing they do? Like, do you think they'll be like, we're doing it, we're impeaching this guy? Uh,
2: no, it'll be something like, it it, it it'll, it'll be a messaging bill, right? It's like when the, when the Democrats we took the House, the first thing they did was pass HR one, the Voting Rights Act, which is part of the broader messaging schema of Republicans hate democracy. We're the pro democracy party. Vote for us. Um, I don't know what the what the GOP's day one bill is. Like, you know, probably something on inflation or controlling inflation or the economy. Um, I do think I do think that the precedent has been set that impeachment is a political tool, especially when you are in control of the House but not the Senate so you know it doesn't matter I think they're totally going to impeach
1: Joe Biden because that's what you're just going to do now but do you think they have a good case for impeaching him or do you think it's just going to be like eh we'll figure it out I think they'll figure it out I think, account. I think it's gonna be Ukraine. I think it's gonna be the, the I... laptop, the emails, the photos of Joe Biden, the, the emails where he's sharing his bank account with his son and collecting money and then they're spending money on each other's behalf.
2: There's, there's no specificity in the Constitution of what high crimes and misdemeanors actually means. It's whatever Congress says and it's unreviewable by the Supreme Court or any other court. It's purely a political decision. So, uh, they'll find something because it'll be a great way to put Joe Biden on trial, Joe Biden on trial in the, in the public eye. And that will line up 2024.
1: Do you think he should be impeached? Uh, Uh, no. No? (laughs) No. Really? You don't think, like, all the stuff he did with Ukraine and, uh, Rosemont Seneca and all that stuff that's now basically confirmed?
3: His Hunter Biden connected bank account that they were doing absolutely (laughs) illicit and legal things with? I don't have, I don't have
2: strong opinions about, uh, about the details there. I do, okay, <laughs> and I, I think that
3: there's a, there's a big argument to make here.
2: About well, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm, House, I'm sure the House House Caucus will be happy to call you in as an expert witness on the impeachment hearings. No, no, no,
3: no. I don't, I don't, I don't trust the Republicans as far as I could see them or throw them. Uh, and I don't, I don't think they're even going to go, going to go with impeachment. I think they're going to be talk about this, but I don't think they have that much of a backbone and spine to even do that or even to match the Democrats on many of their aggressive motions. You to be the honest base with you, want it? I think, I think the base wants a lot of things, and I think. Republicans there are there to placate them, pat them on the back, saying yes, in just a little bit, just a little bit more, just you know, it'll be, we'll just give you anything you want. To just just vote for us, and then you—they're bad, but they're you know, I, I think that's the game that they're playing the, the here. That's my own personal opinion, and I might around. and I might be wrong.
2: The great thing about controlling the House of Representatives is that you're totally powerless, right? Like <laughs> as, as as I was saying, as I was saying before, every time the Democrats who take the House, they're like, Oh, we're gonna pass Medicare for all. We're gonna we're gonna do it in the House. Like this is and if you vote for us, you're gonna get medi and then, you know, they they win and they go, uh uh Maybe not on the Medicare for all thing. Maybe we're not gonna do that. Cause they know it's politically popular, and they can make an empty promise. And the same thing is true, uh, the, the, here, here's my bet. Day one bill, there's gonna be a federal, there's gonna be federal law banning CRT in schools. It's not going clear right. what that means, <laughs> but they sure are gonna ban it. Yep. And that's gonna be, you know, they can prohibit federal if funding they, for local schools. That if teach they get to the Senate, theory.
1: then it will move to the Senate, but yeah. then Biden will veto it.
2: But, well, it won't, it won't clear the filibuster, so it won't matter. Right. Yeah. Like uh, you, you can do these messaging bills. You can do these and and impeachment. impeach And this goes back to the point: like impeachment is just part of the political process now. It's just like a thing that you do to show that the other team is bad.
1: I'm not even convinced Republicans are going to win, right? So, I I, we were talking about talking about this before we started the show. You know, 5:38 and a bunch of other outlets say that historically the opposing party should win, and there's data to suggest it may happen. But there have been so many rule changes with like universal mail-in voting which massively advantages Democrats for one simple reason. Most of you probably heard me say it, but it's this simple. When it comes to ground activism, knocking on doors, Democrats can hit a thousand families in one apartment complex, whereas Republicans got to drive. That means that Democrats can clear way more ground doing advocacy than a Republican ever could. That's going to be massive for them. Oh, that's your ballot right there. Fill it out. Put it in your mailbox. You're done. Republicans knock on doors. They can hit a tenth of the houses. Republicans have completely ignored this those that have been paying, t- paying attention to the election have mostly been concerned about the audits, which have been long drawn out. And some interesting information comes out that ultimately no one moves on and nothing happens. Meanwhile, we can actively see the rules they're trying to change. HR one, like you mentioned, and that like the time magazine article, the shadow campaign to save the election. They, we know exactly what they're doing to advantage themselves and Republicans don't care. So So, maybe they should win, but maybe they won't. Here's the
2: dirty little secret about most voting – about most changes to the electoral structure. They don't have a huge impact. My favorite example of this is voter ID, right? Like voter ID is this like great racist plot to destroy the Democratic electorate and if if the Republicans get to pass voter ID – uh, then, then it will be the end of democracy as we know it. Except that actual studies of voter ID laws that have been implemented, it has no impact on turnout. Like the 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 results are exactly the same, and this is true. AVR has an impact. Automatic voter registration, motor voter has an impact. Um, I don't. Nobody knows what mail-in's gonna do because it's just like so weird. Um, compared to like status quo ante. like people voting from home is just so different after COVID. Um, but I think in general, if you're too lazy to vote, you don't vote. If you're not if you're motivated to vote, you like go stand in the line. And Except the people with who go universal in
1: the mail-in voting, universal mail-in voting, someone can knock, knock on your door and you get up and your eyes are half closed and they go, hi, I'm with such and such campaign. Did you vote yet? And they go, no. Like, well, there's your ballot right there. Why don't you fill it out? And they're going to go, I guess. Or how about the mom walks in and goes, kids, did you vote yet? And they're like, no, mom, I don't care. Just fill out your vote so we're not getting ice cream. And they go, fine, whatever. What am I voting for? Just vote Democrat. Okay. And they fill it out. <laughs> It's the ground game I think is most important because I've, I've seen these, these organizations. I actually did, uh, I, I, I volunteered to register, register people to vote at a concert for Deathcap for Cutie back in, this was like the Obama, uh, period. And so guess what? Every person there was voting Democrat. So you've got people like Scott Pressler. He's registering Republicans. He's, he's very effective and boy do they go after him. But the Democrats can easily do voter registration. And when you've got your mail-in ballot sitting right there on your table and you knock on the door, Look, it may not be the lazy people who they're going to get, but there could be negligent people who go, you know, I was gonna. Well, why don't you just fill it out right now? Okay, sure, I guess, and then just put it in your mailbox. Mailman will come take it. That's going to massively increase turnout.
2: I mean, the the interesting question to me is is, I, uh, well, so a we didn't see a huge increase in turnout in 2020, so I it, it could change in 2022, although like. Like who votes in the Who votes in the off cycle election? The interesting question to me is like the historical norm is that if, if turnout is high, Democrats win. If turnout is low, Republicans win. For the simple reason that uh, the Republican base is smaller, but it's more has a higher propensity to vote. It's like old people have nothing better to do than vote. The Republican the Democratic base is larger, but they're lower propensity to vote. It's like young people who are like out partying in a death cab for cutie concerts rather than voting. Um, but I think that that is that is shifting as the electorate polarizes along educated lines. Um, we at the Manhattan Institute just put out a paper that I think is really interesting talking about on-cycling or off-cycling elections, which is like um, – so like uh, Virginia – the the big race is coming up next uh, next week. Virginia holds its elections off cycle, which is like in twenty twenty one twenty in odd numbered years, um, and that massively depresses turnout. Or like school board elections are usually held in 18 states; they are mandatorily off cycle. Local elections happen in the opposite years, and you get these turnouts. Um, Larry Krasner, who's the progressive prosecutor, who just won the Democratic primary in Philadelphia. He was like, this is like seen as a major victory for the progressive prosecutor. 18% of eligible democrats voted in the Philadelphia DA primary uh in I think March. Uh 10% of them voted 10% of the points voted for Krasner, 8% voted for Carlos Vega as a Krasner one. It's like that's not a referendum. Um so you know, we're talking about when you when you on, when you bring elections on cycle, you dramatically change the electorate. And I'm interested in if you boost voter turnout, does that now with the changing party composition actually start to, if not benefit Republicans, then shift the balance in interesting ways. I think I think that's a real possibility with the Republican Party capturing lower education voters, the Republican Party capturing otherwise disenfranchised voters. If you make it easier for those people to vote, how does that shake things up? I think it's unclear.
1: Virginia is going to be a huge sign of things to come. We'll see. (laughs) Neck and neck in Virginia. Yeah. But Virginia's gone full blue. It's really funny. You know, the area we're in, it's a tri-state. It's Maryland, Virginia, West Virginia. And boy, do people talk very poorly about Virginia around here. Mm. Maryland is already bad, but these counties up here are, are very red. Where we are right now, we're in one of the counties that just filed that letter saying we want to join West Virginia. You go over the river to Virginia and you're in Loudoun County. Well, you know all about Loudoun. Oh, right? yeah. <laughs> and then – so it's a very conflicted area. You cross the river into West Virginia, and it's red. I don't know if Loudoun is red or blue, but it's it's conflicted. And considering the state itself is is supermajority now uh, – or it's not – I don't know if supermajority, but majority Democrat, it's very, very interesting to see the sentiment of these people in these areas. One of the interesting things about West Virginia is that CRT is getting to those schools as well. It's because these activists are going and infiltrating rural areas on purpose, I guess it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in the next few years when it comes to elections, but I think Virginia's election is gonna be, I don't know, kind of, a uh, um what's the right word? It's a bellwether, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, and, and it's, it's, it's really interesting how the two candidates are playing it, right? Like McAuliffe is betting on Virginia's a blue state, and it's the kind of blue state that's motivated to turn out because they hate Donald Trump, right? His agenda is, Glenn Youngkin is Donald Trump in the flesh. He's he's just the local and, – and like, you think – you know, I'm – Terry McAuliffe is like a he's, – he's a career politician. He's been governor of Virginia before. Uh He can't keep straight any of a number of things, including how many people in the state of COVID at any given time. <laughs> um and, but that, that's his bet. I think Glenn Youngkin's bet is he's light on the policy details. He thinks people are mad about these red meat issues. He thinks people are mad about CRT and that that will get enough turnout in the non-NOVA counties to push it over. And you know, is it going to happen for him? I don't know. I think you're right that everyone wants it to be a bellwether. I'm not sure. I think if Glenn Youngkin loses, I'm, st- I still think Republicans are going to take the house. It doesn't cause me to advise. Yeah. That I think if Glenn Youngkin wins, Republicans are totally going to retake the House by a big march. <laughs>
4: it's yeah. going to be interesting. It,
3: I mean, this is a big election, and I think you're right, Tim. I mean, there's a reason Barack Obama's getting involved here, even making comments about what happened in Loudoun country, County, uh, which we can't even talk about here yeah. on YouTube uh, because of the adult nature of what happened in that school. Um, but Barack Obama said, you know, it's just parents overreacting and clearly a court ruled and saw things a totally different way. The facts speak of a totally different story. And I think that's story. That we can't even talk about. I think there's another reason why we can't talk about it. I think it might be even politically motivated. Yeah. Is, is, is shocking a lot of people in Virginia and is motivating them to vote against the current establishment, against people like Barack Obama that are just conflating it with, oh, it's just parents being
4: crazy. Well,
1: let's, we'll, we'll talk about that in the member segment because this is a particularly graphic story. And if we want to get the full details out, it's not something you want your kids to hear. And it's also something that YouTube probably wouldn't be happy with because it involves a lot of sensitive, uh, it involves a lot of really disgusting issues, I'll put it that sure. way. But I do wanna, I do wanna talk about something, uh, while we're, while we're still live on this show, and it's a hard segue, but this is really important. From timcast.com, Rumble acquires locals in a bid to expand creator economy. The company wants to foster high quality content by giving creators control of their content and data. Very interesting move. For those that don't know, Rumble is a very popular video player. It's alternative to YouTube, essentially. It's got a lot of independent and and conservative voices on it. And it's considered kind of like an alternative to YouTube. There have been many. Rumble seems to be doing really well and seems to have large coffers, as it were. And Locals is basically Dave Rubin's answer to Patreon. So now Rumble has acquired Locals. I don't know what this will mean for the people of Locals who have their accounts there, but wow, this uh, uh, this is a fast move. We have a quote, actually. Quote, we felt there was an opportunity to fairly serve everyone by providing the same tools large creators have without preferencing, Rumble told Timcast via email, based on the premise that small creators like friends and family were no longer being prioritized on platforms like YouTube privately-owned Rumble launched in 2013. The company's creators felt large platforms focus on multi-channel networks, large corporations, and brands. Unlike other platforms, creators using Locals own not only their own content, but also the community data. The data can be analyzed to better understand and engage with the creator audience with more insight into who they are reaching. Creators can expand their work and continue to generate revenue without outside influence. Instead, they'll use a subscription model Locals has built. This is particularly interesting. Ian, what yes, do you think about this?
5: I think the, the consolidation of corporate power is often done with good intentions. Dave Rubin sold you out. Mm-hmm. He got a bunch of big, big popular people in there with and w- by using his personal brand and his trust, and then he sold you out. He made – I don't know. They haven't released how much money he got paid to sell you out, but he is a well, – What do you mean by sell them? I mean that he just got paid a lot of money and got an offer he couldn't refuse to give – now control of all, all these people trusted Dave. They trusted you. Right. And now, now they have no choice but to be owned. Their data is now owned by Rumble. Mm-hmm. This is what Go- Google bought YouTube. I remember that happening in 2008. Well, so th- they say
1: specifically that uh, you own your community data.
5: That's what they say. I don't know anything think, about this deal, to be honest.
1: I, I think the bigger issue I have with um, look, I, th- I think you know, I tweeted out congrats to him for, for pulling it off. I think it's fantastic. I think there's uh, there's some crit- critiques we have. I think it's good that the independent uh, tech environment is growing larger and more powerful, and ultimately this will be good because there needs to be market competition against YouTube and Patreon and Silicon Valley. This is what we're seeing. However, that being said. I don't like any of how the, the system is operating, and it's not anything personal with Rumble. Uh, we use we use Rumble. We uh, um, I'm, I'm, I think I think locals is fantastic, but the whole time, the Patreon fiasco happened. This is this is basically you know Patreon bans Carl Benjamin. They banned Lawrence Southern first, and they banned Carl Benjamin. They basically nuked people's income without warning or notice right. overnight. One day, you know, Carl wakes up, his account's deleted, all his money is gone. So what what ends up happening is we see alternatives emerge saying, we're going to create centralized subscription models just like Patreon, but with our own unique version of it. And it's the exact same problem. Michael That's Malice, why I'm not a fan of it.
5: Michael Malice, Dave sold you out, dude. Mm-hmm. I hope that you got paid for this too, Mike. I hope that all the people on Locals got a percentage of this buyout because it's your data that was sold.
0: Oh, in. Yeah. We get pissed.
5: This is why we're building decentralized technology where you can own your own data and host your own stuff. I agree.
3: I mean, I've always been skeptical, even of the alternatives, because there have been alternative social media platforms that came and went, sold their viewers, deleted their content, and then just rebranded and started new again. I'm like, wait, wait, hold on. What about my old content that I uploaded there? Like, oh, it's gone. I'm like... You know, there's a lot of, you know, pump and dump uh, cryptocurrencies also out there. There's a lot of bad things. That's why I always prioritized building my own platform, my own email list. That's why I have Lukeonsensor.com, you have timcast.com, and I think this is the way that it's going to go, decentralized. And I think if you ever put your hope in a centralized system or somebody else to take care of something for you, I think there's a bigger chance you're always going to be let down.
1: I want to put Substack out of business. I want to put Locals out of business. I want to put Patreon out of business. I want to put all of these subscription service services out of business. Now that is just me being kind of hyperbolic, but the point I'm making is, you know, for one, Ian spearheading with, with many other people, the, the on foundations work, which is creating decentralized open source versions of these tools, which means it's not just that you'll own your data. You'll own the domain. You'll own the server space. It'll be yours and you can set it up or you can join like a node where someone's got centralized server space and then you can, you know, piggyback on it. The issue I have here is that the solution to the problems we faced, even by someone like Dave Rubin, has been to recreate the same system, which creates the same vulnerabilities and the same problems. Now, I don't know if I would go as far as you to say that they were sold out because I don't know how this negatively impacts someone like Michael Mouse. Yeah,
5: me too. I am open to following this. I'm really going to in the next coming weeks because I want to know all the terms of the contract that are going to be as much as possibly publicly available because maybe the people are going to make out like bandits on this as well as Dave. But Dave, I had a lot of faith in you, and I gave you the benefit of the doubt. I thought you were going to hold on to locals for the next 20 or 30 years and really do this, at least try and do it right. This is devastating to me.
1: So one thing I think you can consider is um – and look, look, I know, uh, Dave. I know the guys at Rumble. One thing you consider, you, you should consider is that when you sign up for a service like Patreon, Subscribestar, or, uh, or Locals, you're locked in. Whether intentionally or not. It's not so much that they own the data and they can claim you own the data. It's that if you build up, say, 3,000 paying subscribers on someone else's platform and they're getting a cut of that, you can't leave. They own you forever. Now, you can beg your 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 subscribers and your followers and be like, guys, I'm going to be moving to a new platform. Please subscribe there. But I saw this. I saw what happened with Patreon when Patreon nuked Carl Benjamin and all of his people, a bunch of his fans started quitting and canceling subscriptions and hit everybody. So I went from having, I think we had a few thousand people donating. And then when everyone's like, sorry, Tim, I can't support Patreon. I said, I set up Subscribestar, an alternate platform. You can sub- You can support me there. And the attrition was massive people did not move over. So when I saw that, I said centralizing people's subscriber base uh, onto someone else's platform will always be negative towards these individuals. And what we need is a decentralized, easy to install package that someone can make their own version. At Timcast.com, the first thing we did was we hired a guy to make a very simple website. Cost us a decent amount of money and then we started posting members only content as if it was any other you know private subscription service the amount of money that we would have spent if we went with any of these platforms be it patreon locals subscribe store, or otherwise it was 70% higher i'll put it that way when i saw, when i saw how much they charge people to use their platforms i was just like they are extracting value from people like
5: locals they're taking what like eight to twenty percent of your monthly income they take some percent of your monthly income and now that's going to rumble and if the value of that them taking a large percent of the income is that the network effect of locals so if you leave locals you lose that network effect
1: one of the things i think you know could be considered as well is that uh, rumble recently hired a bunch of video creators and personalities to make content for them
5: i wonder who they're going to sell their company to
1: With the, with the acquisition of locals, theoretically the integration would undercut any of their creators for making similar, similar deals. And now
5: Google can buy Rumble! And now you're gonna make out like a bandit, Chris Pavlov. Pavlovsky, good job.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know, Chris. I don't think this is ultimately a bad thing. I just don't like the idea of centralizing cor- people's income. Yeah, or corporate like
5: consolidation that. is not inherently bad. It's just super like dangerous for liberty.
1: We right. use Rumble. I think Rumble's great. Yeah, it's, it's fast. Right. It's cheap. It's effective. It's, there, there's there's no censorship. My bigger concern is people's income being centralized and then sold around. Right. So so here's what you got to understand. Uh, and, and again, with all due respect to today, to I think I said congratulations because I think it's I think you know he did great work and alternative media growing bigger and more powerful is a good thing. My my answer is more like my view of this is you don't want to work for somebody, and it's already bad enough. There's YouTube rules, there's Twitter rules, whatever. Making your own space where you can control it is good, but. If the idea of locals was that you would control your own community, but that, but that Dave could then sell your community to somebody else completely undercuts what I guess the, 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 the story was supposed to be. I don't want someone to be like, Hey, I'm running a service. If you use it, I guarantee you X. And then I'll say, Oh, okay, great. Like you said, Oh, Dave's going to own this forever. I trust him. And then he sells it. And now you don't know who you're answering to. Now you don't know what terms will change and they could. I don't like the idea that your income, your subscribers, your fans can be sold to someone else I'm still that waiting to me is crazy I, I'm still
3: waiting for all the details to come out of this um, and they should be coming out if they don't, that's when people should be worried. but let's see exactly what the deal was. let's see what the contracts are going to be, let's see how they're going to change, let's see the terms. It's going to be interesting to see how this went down.
1: I think it's a good thing. Look, I'm not trying to rain on the parade, but I, I, you know, I think being critical is fair because I've been critical of the centralized subscription services from the beginning, yep. regardless of who owns it. In a
5: lot of ways, Google buying YouTube was fantastic for creators because they created the partner, pro- they were able to subsidize and create the partner program and start paying people. YouTube wasn't able to do that when it was Chad Hurley, but the downside then is Google's corporate censorship model took over.
1: The fear would be if, you know, Rumble sold, which I
5: don't think it will though. Well no one ever thinks it's gonna happen. That's true. But it's totally legally allowed to.
1: I did not think locals would sell. I did not. Yeah, yeah to anybody. And then they do. But I'm not I'm not I'm not too worried about this. I I think ultimately look Rumble I think is fantastic. And I think them gaining more uh more power in this space to help push back against the censorship and the big tech oligarchy, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Um I'll just put it this way. I don't I, I've talked to people about locals and I'm like, I think it's fantastic that Dave was like Patreon censor censorious and bad, so we need our own space and he made it and then other people used it. I just wish people like Michael Malice, for instance, decided to write a check for a grand to just make his own version of it and not give away ten percent of his revenue. I just don't understand this. This is what this is what drives me insane, is that Tulsi Gabbard, Michael Malice, you know, who uh the other people who are using locals and, and again, no disrespect to locals, but just in terms of these people. You go online, you say web dev, they'll say, we can make you this exact thing for a thousand bucks. We'll have it done in overnight. Finger snap. Now, I just don't get it. But I guess people have said they want the network that it's like, you're on this platform. Other people are on it. I just wish people were more freedom oriented, I guess, and, and, and took the, took the responsibility upon their shoulders and protected their assets and had more control. Maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm too uh, arrogant. And I refuse to, like, give up, you know, anything that I'm doing to anybody else for any reason. Uh, hey, no I, had,
3: I had my subscription service for seven years. <laughs> you right. know? So I believe in that idea as well. Decentralization is the idea that I think we should be promoting. But we could promote it by giving – by being examples of it rather than just following the herd and the flock.
1: I just I, – I just don't understand it. Guys, I'm just going to say it one more time. if it, mo- Most of these services have a 10% fee. That means if you have a hundred patrons and they're each giving you 10 bucks, you're getting a thousand bucks a month. You're giving a hundred dollars per month to that company. Now that can make sense if you're not, not expecting to have a large following, but let's say you have a thousand people giving you money. Now you have, you know, 10 bucks per person. You're getting $10,000. You're giving a thousand dollars per month to these platforms for what? What? For a one-time fee of a thousand bucks, a web dev can make you a simplified version of this. That's why I'm like, we need to make free and open source software that we can just give to people, and they can get their domain, twelve bucks. They can get some server space, fifty bucks. Spend a one-time rate if they've got, you know, uh, I guess the problem is people are like, how do I even get to the point where I have a thousand bucks unless I use someone else's infrastructure? Yeah. And I'm like, save up, uh, save up money. Do what you can because then you hire a guy for a, for a, for a thousand bucks, and maybe you can even get it cheaper if you've got a friend or or you can learn how to do it yourself. It is it is plugins, it is WordPress, it is plugins, it is simplified. You can make it.
5: Server space is extremely expensive. You know, there's no there's no perfect solution, which is why one hasn't been created yet. But keep you know that if someone do else it, has your data, they're gonna sell it, and they me, may uh, not. But think like that.
1: The amount of money. That we would have given away timcast.com if we went with any one of these platforms. I, I, I. It's, it is, it, it is substantial.
5: We could have started six companies with the money we've saved. Easily,
1: that's what's crazy to me. I know the cost of bandwidth. I know the cost of development. And I, I look and I'm just like, how come we don't have someone going to these these individuals like? Michael Malis, friends were a huge fan of being like, hey Michael, here's a guy, pay him one time, he'll make the site for you, and you don't have to give anyone money ever again. It's all yours. Don't give it away. I just don't understand that. I just don't get it. But you know what? Look, look, that's just me. You know? I see something and I'm I don't understand why people are just giving things away instead of trying to to build up something that is secure and unbannable. But hopefully, I'll put it this way before we we'll, we'll, we'll go to super chats. What we're working on should, should put these companies out of business. All of them. I don't care their political I- ideology. I'm not, not necessarily because some people won't want to buy a server space and yeah. install a package, but we're going to make it so that instead of having to worry about the thousand bucks to hire the web dev, all that work's going to be done. And you're going to just click a link and it's going to say drag and drop this into your, onto your, into your server file. Here's how you do it. And then boom. You have a subscription service website
5: done. And here's all the other people using the service. And then you can pick who you want to see. You can whitelist and blacklist corporations. It's going to be great. Yeah, it's all free. Free.
1: 100%. And that means the only costs you will have is the credit card
5: exchange rate, which is server costs, which can be insane. So that's that's a big part of this is server costs. Figuring out how to mesh network servers or use library or have it local.
1: It'll always be cheaper than what you'd give to a private company that's seeking to profit off of your subscriber base.
5: Yes, and especially as it scales up. They do a lot of the work for you. That's what makes those companies look nice, but that's what we're doing. We're doing the work for you. But we also do have
1: torrent-based video hosting, and there are other platforms that can do extremely low cost. I mean, interestingly, Rumble is one of them to do very low-cost hosting. And so at a certain point, you don't need these services to function like this. It's, 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 it's like WordPress plugins, man. I'm not even kidding how, how ridiculously easy it is to set up. You, 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 you get a WordPress, you download subscriber plugin, double click it and you're done. We're just simplifying it, making it as easy as possible. Like one click and the thing's all set to go, but it already is easy. That's just me, man. I don't know. Look, I I look at the culture war. I look at some of, I look at so many of these, these uh personalities who are making tons of money and I'm like, why don't they have 10 more shows? The young Turks have a network where they've got a dozen shows. They make money and they dish it out to all these people. Then they get investors and they dish it out to all these people. They build more shows. They do more. And I'm like, why aren't we doing that? Well, we're doing that quite literally with uh, the Tales from the Inverted World, with the vlog, with several other shows that work on a, cult, a pop culture show we're working on. And then I just look at the right and the moderates and the independents. And I'm like, they don't do this. They don't. Even Peter Thiel, right? He goes after a gawker. He complains about fake news. He funds Rumble. That's fantastic. But where's his effort? Joe Rogan complains about CNN lying. Joe's massively wealthy. He could take a million bucks and be like, have at it. They just don't do it. But you know what? Whatever. We'll do it. And then we'll see where everyone else ends up. And, uh, and now we'll go to super chats because, you know, rant over. <laughs> but I, I do want to stress again, any, any alternative competition to Silicon Valley and their censorship is a good thing. If at the end of the day, the battle we have is... Locals is not going to ban you and Rumble won't ban you. Hopefully that's enough to attract more people and displace the censorious nature. It's, of it's not because
5: Valley. Rumble can ban you at any time. I'm sure it says that in their terms of service. I'll, 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 they do. They have community guidelines. Trust no centralized service to maintain your life for you. That is your job. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't think people saw Facebook going where Facebook went. In the early days, people probably were just like, oh, this is cool. It's just like a, a simple service. And now it's like, they track a everything monster. about you. They know when you poop. Mm. They they they're building a metaverse. They they're gonna lock Instagram. you. Instagram, my god. Yeah. All right, all right. We'll go to super chats. <laughs> if you haven't already, smash that like button, subscribe to the channel, and go to timcast.com. Become a member because we're gonna have a members-only segment coming up at around eleven or so PM. You don't want to miss it. And we'll talk a bit about uh, Loudoun County and how awful uh, you know all Oof. that stuff is. All right, we got hairball. I'm not religious, but I'm praying Kyle gets a fair trial. Yes, I agree. A fair trial. It doesn't have to be one sided. I don't think what I want. I just want it to be fair. Right? Sounds good. All right. Scov says Minnesota National Guard here. Phase one of mandatory vax has begun. Phase two will be the UCMJ portion, but it's not finalized yet. Currently, fifteen percent have refused in my unit and will be flagged, barring them from reenlisting. They've already begun UCMJ uh, UCMJ paperwork. Wow! Wow! Crazy. All right, let's see. Fearless Soldier says, it was awesome meeting all of you at the event. Keep fighting the good fight and keep up the momentum. You guys have a lot of people that care about you. Thank Thank you very much. All right. Evil Zombie Hamster says, Tim, you saying you've been on sets last night reminded me of a question I've had for a while now. Did you do a small cameo in Detective Pikachu just after 30 minutes into the movie pushing Bill Nye off screen? It really looks like you. The answer is no, I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's a weird question. That's funny. I am, however, in two episodes of A Thousand Ways to Die. Oh. That's right. You didn't die. No, I was a skater guy. Okay. My friend was a, a production assistant, and their skater guy quit, like, didn't show up. So she called me, and she was like, dude, we need skater guy for these this, this episode. Can you come? And I was like, I guess. And she was like, we'll pay you 50 bucks. Ooh. And I was like, Oh, and it cost me 50 bucks to get there because I had to take a cab because it was a last-minute <laughs> thing. So I break even, basically. That's funny. And I got to be on the shows. It, it was so sweet. on your
5: IMDb, skater guy.
1: I don't think so. <laughs> I hope someone puts it. There. I don't know. I was accused because the show premiered after Occupy Wall Street. I was accused of trying to use Occupy Wall Street fame to get to become an actor or something. What? And then I had someone wrote an article accusing me that saying that I moved to Los Angeles to become an actor, which is like the most absurd lie ever. Because you I'm a skateboarder too. and I moved to L.A. because the skateboarding is good. And mostly just because it's California.
3: You know you made it when there's people accusing you of being a crisis actor.
1: Yeah, Yeah, that's right. (laughs) All right. Let's see what we got. What's we got? What does it say? Sinosexual says, tell Ian to do research into chemical ice nucleation for weather modification. Whoa. Wow. All right. Cal Miller says, anyone want to bet that the media is going to cover the Rittenhouse case and Alec Baldwin longer than the fall of Afghanistan? Oh, you bet. I mean, but let's let's be real, the Rittenhouse trial is gonna be for I think two weeks.
4: I think so, yeah.
1: Wow, okay, I'm gonna have two weeks every day of some
5: video just like with the Chauvin trial. I think that the they got the catharsis out with the Chauvin trial. I'm not getting I'm not feeling that fervence and bloodlust mm-hmm. that was there. I don't know, man. They'll ratchet really. up when yeah. it needs to be it is, ratcheted It is up. getting
1: cold, though, and people yeah. don't like That's riding true. in the winter.
4: It's inconvenient.
1: It's really funny that rioters are deeply influenced by the weather. <laughs> if it rains, it won't riot. Crime, crime is influenced by the weather. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but crime I get, right? Yeah. Someone's like, I'm not going to go outside and rob somebody because I'll get wet. Whereas someone's like, a black man was murdered by the police. Man, I could protest cool. injustice, but it is pretty cold out. Yeah. Swastika. So no,
2: it's 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 when it, <laughs> uh, crime rises in the summer systematically every single year, and nobody has a good explanation why. There's interesting research that looks at. Um, Fluctuations in prison violence in relation to when the AC is working and not. that wow. I got data on, <laughs> uh, and 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 when the AC goes out, there's more prison violence. Yes. So like a lot of it just comes down to people are not happy when it's hot out. Yeah. Um. And and yeah, I think I you know I mean I do think like a lot of last year's writing just came down to people had been stuck inside for three months, and this was a socially approved way to go outside and you know act out all of their pent up aggression. Exactly. And there's like I'm sure there's less of that now, but it's they, they they've had the catharsis once.
4: Yeah, that's
1: done. Paul Thonkum says a prop gun is a fake gun with no firing pin, and the trigger is just spring loaded to act like a real gun. They keep saying a prop gun because they don't want you to realize that Alec Baldwin po- pointed a real gun oh, with yep. a real bullet at a woman and killed her. That he doesn't believe people should have to defend themselves. That's he right. no. The jaded Kriegsman says on this day in 2001 the patriot act was signed eroding our freedoms and emboldening federal authoritarianism restore the 10th restore our rights interesting
4: 10th amendment heck yes simone
1: 9937 says i just began listening to a book on a kentucky county during the first civil war i wish i could say i had never heard the term insurrection used that much so we had uh, shane cashman who's writing for tales from the inverted world and i have i am so excited So the first Mm -hmm. arc, I guess we're not really doing seasons or whatever, but the first season is basically a collection of stories, essays from him. Like, you know, he met a guy and there's a cold case and his experience as a kid. Because we kind of wanted to like introduce him and like what his his angle is. Because we're skeptical, right? The next season, Ghosts of the Confederacy. He went down to Georgia. He's got the story of Sherman's March to the Sea and like the story of the people who were there and how it affected their families, ghost stories, UFOs. Murder mysteries, conspiracies—it's gonna be so rad. Yeah, just introducing like when you read history books about Sherman's March to the Sea. I think you know, based on what I was hearing, the people down there have a very, very uh, gruesome telling of what it was like compared to the watered-down version of scorched earth. He
2: burned the South to the ground.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was effective. <laughs> yeah, but that—but um, like, man. Yeah, he was telling me that people did not like hearing the word Sherman down there because yeah. mm. it was like he PTSD, burned to the ground, dude. but yeah. you know, destroying people's homes, civilians, non-combatants. There's a lot oh, of really dark stuff geez. there, wow. man. That that was that wasn't the first iteration of scorched earth, was it?
4: No. Not I true. think Scorched Earth goes way back to the like oh, ancient yeah. Yeah. times. Yeah. Yeah.
5: It's a tactic to retreat. You can burn behind you. And if if you think you can't defeat the incoming enemy, you can burn your frontier and all the cities and lands and retreat into your inner country. Kind yeah. of starve them, just like Russia did. did. Yeah, Germany. USSR, yeah. excuse me. Um, I don't know what this says, but I'm CIA
1: says, hello, look, I'm not Polish, but Warzawa Walsh. <laughs> <laughs> you what, just, does that,
3: what does that uh, mean? I, I I have no idea what you just said. I, I Wars, just tried to scramble okay. words together just <laughs> oh. like you did.
1: Wars zao, Walcz.
3: It. You you, uh, you should learn Polish. No you no, make no no. It, you it's make so, strong
2: so, so. assumptions about what those consonants, how those consonants <laughs> map to <the> function. <phony> What's <laughs>
1: W A L C Z?
3: W A. I don't know. Luke can't do it. This way remember. Well, so Luke doesn't yeah. yeah. speak yeah. Polish.
4: Oh he, no, he can't like do the so Luke can't do the letters that way. You have to see them. I'm kind yeah, of the same see way. Them. Yeah. yeah, I'm the same way.
1: All right, let's see. Bill Hughes says if Rittenhouse loses, there will be riots. If he wins, there will be riots. Uh huh. That's right. And Matthew Day Oliveira just says, "Why not?" But I don't know. what That's a reference to I don't know, so. But thank you. Timmy says you can tell people that know nothing about guns defending Alec. That you can tell that it's people who know nothing about guns defending Alec. The first thing told uh, told in our LTC class is that you're responsible for everything that comes out of the end of a firearm you're holding. Of
4: course. Yep. Yeah.
1: It's amazing though that the people who uh, uh, want crazy gun control don't believe in responsibility. Like Alec. Well, they're related, right? It's it's that you can't imagine owning a a, a, a
2: firearms a scary thing. It's like you know you hold a gun for the first time, you're like, wow, I can kill somebody with this. And if you're the sort of person who sees that and is like, well, nobody, I I understand the impulse to say nobody should have that. Mm -hmm. I think it's wrong. I think I think it's you know ultimately a futile impulse in America but i understand that impulse in terms of just like that that sort of passivity
4: Scary.
1: i never thought when i got into a car man i could kill somebody with this really well, gun, i think that all the time getting yeah. into
5: a car the gun is like very very easy to create a lot of damage any like a 6 year old can do it which is why it's different than most weapons pretty much every other weapon
1: I feel like cars can do more damage than a lot of guns.
5: But you need to, you need to be big and have gas in the tank and have a key and Literally, like.
1: There are, there are about
2: as many automo, vehicular, vehicular deaths in the United States per year as, uh, gun homicides and
3: gun suicides. Cars That's are dangerous. Cars are really dangerous.
4: Yeah, they're big. <laughs>
3: Lydia just sent me it. It means Warsaw Walcze, which means Warsaw's fights. Fight off. Fight there up. you go. There you go. So yeah. Probably you're showing the Warsaw uprising, uh, fighting against, of course, the, the Nazis.
1: Right on. William Gabriel says, what sword is on the wall behind Tim? Oh. Uh, I got this from a mall. It's a mall sword. Oh,
4: cool. And Historical. it says
1: something like Seven Souls Sword or something like that. I don't know what it is. Mm. It's just, it's like a prop, like, tw- it's, it's, just a sword from a the mall.
4: mythical yeah, a, mall a, a sword. sword. And we also
1: have, you can't see us off camera, but we have the master sword hung up as well. Also not a real sword. It's uh, it's from The Legend of Zelda. And uh, we were thinking about getting a whetstone and actually making, we'd have to we'd have to redo the hilt. It's plastic. And make like a real, I, I'm pretty sure someone's probably already done that.
3: I'm old-fashioned. I just have machetes. There you go. Yeah, I've got that Luke's got to go
1: bushwhacking. Yes. Clearing the brush to go down the path into the forest. All right, let's see what we got. Uh, let's see. Jagger Tree says, "Misfire like a hang fire is what a bullet does, not a gun." Which means it didn't burn the powder properly. Guns can malfunction. Ab's gun worked fine. Alec Baldwin's. Mm. That's right. He pulled the
5: trigger and a bullet came out. Oh, that. So he's saying that a gun cannot misfire; the bullet misfires. Mm. People were saying that the crew was were shooting at beer cans with the guns.
4: Yeah, somebody. And they had live
1: practice. bullets just mixed in with all the blanks. Yikes. Bad plan. Well, Alec Baldwin's running the show, isn't he?
5: He was one of the executive producers, I think.
1: All right. Poor Randall says, Blaming policing as an institution is like blaming guns for violence. Police are but a tool. It can be wielded for good or bad. And in most cases, the police are used for good. The problem lies in the culture. I agree with that. Yes. Andrew Sutton says, Someone should buy a racehorse and call it Brandon. I get the feeling that people would cheer for it. You've got to call it Let's Go Brandon. Yeah. Lee Fagan says, we need not worry when Kamala becomes president. When she does, if she follows down the same route of unconstitutional edict, we will impeach her too. Mm. Well, there you go. Normies Get Out says, please don't forget that Black Rifle Coffee bent the knee and refused to stand with Kyle Rittenhouse when he was photographed wearing their t-shirt. I don't know the full details about Mm. it, but what I was told was don't believe the New York Times when they smear Black Rifle Coffee because the New York Times is fake news. I don't know the full details though, so I don't really know what to say. All right. Caleb South says, my eight-year-old daughter was listening to the news with me and when she heard about the Fauci puppy torture, she said, so he's Corona DeVille. (laughs) Uh
4: (laughs) That's good.
1: If you haven't seen Freedom Tunes' newest short, it's only 18 seconds long, but uh, uh, I once again provided the voice of Dr. Fauci. And you should (laughs) check it out on Freedom Tunes uh, on YouTube because it's really funny. It's very short, but it's funny. All right. Let's see. Jesus Trisp says, a bit of topic, but is it possible Biden was trying to go Super Saiyan during the town hall? Someone please make this meme if it hasn't been done yet. <laughs> yeah, when, when Biden was doing the cornholio thing.
4: I'm sure he was.
1: Because Goku, you know, he, he goes, ah, and then his hair spikes and turns gold and someone should make the Super Saiyan meme of Joe I'm Biden. I'm sure
4: it's been. Done. I would like
1: to see it, but um, I'm pretty sure he just has dementia and that's what the fist clenching was because, yeah. you know, he has dementia.
5: I think Alec Baldwin was not an executive producer. He's just a regular producer, but it's kind of vague what that means.
1: So uh it is vague. Executive producer usually is just like you're a financier or you're spearheading the project in terms of like you have a bunch of money and you're like, hey, I want to do this. Hey, guys, make a movie. And then they'll be like, cool and then I'll come and check it later. Producers are substantially more active. Mm-hmm. So when I was working on documentaries and stuff like that in shorts, the executive producers were like. The executive, executives at the company who would screen it after it was done and say, yeah, it's pretty good. Okay. We'll roll with it. And the producers were the ones who were on set all the time, instructing the staff. Yeah. The producers were in charge of the entire production when I was working, when I was producing like, uh, the, the documentary. So like when there was a producer and I was just hosting, they would be telling me what to do. If I was producing and hosting, I'd be telling the camera person what to do, where to go, what to film. And so it, that's why I think Alec Baldwin was responsible. Executive producers typically aren't involved that much, if at all. So it's just, you know, people get executive producer credits all the time. It doesn't mean much.
5: Yeah, there were six producers underneath the four executive producers on that film. Baldwin was one of the six producers.
1: Boris eighty-nine says, I'm an experienced Hollywood armorer, so I can confidently tell you that the lion's share of the blame goes to the armor of that uh uh lion's share of the blame goes to the armor of that said Way too much to explain in a super chat, message me, and I'll explain why I love the show. It goes to the armorer, you're saying? Of the set? That's wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Hollywood is full of a bunch of psychotic individuals who are saying the responsibility isn't the person who's wielding a gun and pulling the trigger. It's all three. When I hand mm-hmm. someone an airsoft rifle, I do the exact same things. I don't care if it's got an orange tip on it. I'll pull out the, the magazine. I'll pull the hammer back and say, this is airsoft. Look, and I'll show them that it's not a real gun. I'll show them the cartridge and I'll say, here's the airsoft. There is airsoft. There there are pellets in this. We only use biodegradable stuff, by the way. We want the plastic garbage. Good, I'm happy. And that's just airsoft because people, I I, I don't care if it, it. we have replicas. you treated the exact same way. This is what people need to understand. If you're holding something that looks like a gun... And you treat it like, it's no, it's no big deal. It's not loaded. And you raise it up and point it at someone. Guess what? They will shoot you. Mm-hmm. So maybe in Hollywood, they're like, I, 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 I gotta tell you, I cannot imagine being on a Hollywood set where someone thinks they can draw a replica gun on someone else with no consequences. That is
5: insane. The two people, he, he shot her and, and the director the ball went through her. Yeah.
1: Have you seen the video of the guy in the shooting range? And he's with his friends and then he has the gun and he loads it and then he points it at his friend and the instructor just grabs his arm, puts him in a lock and pins him down. Good. Yep, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> or when Will Smith smacks the gun yes, down.
4: Uh, that's what should be done.
1: Yep. This idea that you can wield a, a live firearm with no responsibility is fake news and if you work in Hollywood and you believe that, don't be surprised when Alec Baldwin kills another person. Because if this guy goes on to work in, in, in Hollywood where he's like, no, 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 everybody, it's fine. It was the armorer's fault. Let's we'll get a new armorer and the policy stands. No, I tell you this, they're going to be like, oh, maybe we shouldn't do this. Maybe we shouldn't point weapons at each other. And maybe we should manually check the armorer's fault. Dude, tell that to a judge. Your honor, the weapon was handed to me. I was told that it was, it was not an active weapon. And then I was told to point it at the camera and pull the trigger because I was supposed to. Yeah. Okay. All right. Tony Gillard says Yu-Gi-Oh tournaments after a year or uh, a year or so of being canceled are finally coming back. And of course, there's vaccine mandates and mask mandates.
0: Ugh.
1: Well, you can always not play Yu-Gi-Oh.
0: Find a different hobby.
1: Play Magic the Gathering, which is still not better. Probably anyway. not better.
5: As a brief aside, I noticed a Walmart did go public in 1970. That came oh, okay. up
2: earlier. Oh, do, do people still play Yu-Gi-Oh?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's big. Okay.
2: Yeah.
5: I never played it. Did you play it?
1: When I was like
4: 10. Did you play Magic?
5: No.
1: Well, Magic's way better anyway.
5: <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh!
1: is a manga about Magic the Gathering, basically. Because Magic the Gathering was the first card game. And so they're basically playing some version of it, and then they made it. My favorite thing about Yu-Gi-Oh! is that the show makes no sense. Like, there's no rules to the card yeah. game. It's just like, yu gi ohs like, I'll play Blue Eyes White Dragon! And you're like, uh. There's like, <laughs> you can literally just do whatever you want. The game makes no sense.
4: Sounds interesting. But
1: they eventually made rules and changed them and then like made a real game. All right. Wrath of Paul says Project Veritas is a video of New Jersey's uh, New, Jer- New Jersey governor consultant saying he will implement vaccine mandates after he wins the election. Of course. He knows it's wildly unpopular and is planning on doing it anyway. New Jersey friends vote him out. Yeah, I would say vote him out. But if if I actually thought it was possible, I think they'll blindly just vote him in and be like, yay. And then what happens? They'll go, oh, no, why is oh, my life my. getting worse? Uh-huh. Yep. leave. All right. Ignis Hydro says, "Hey Tim, any new shirts coming to the shop, or is there too much competition in the room?" Um, You know, we do need to get on some shirts. We need to make yeah. some. We, I don't we, think we so. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> nah, you guys are good. You guys, I think your store is pretty great. We'll make competing t-shirts, and then you know, Ian can wear the the TimCast version. Yeah. I then. want.
3: I want. I want this to be dealt with, with in a, a physical fight fashion. <laughs> I think that's the diplomatic you know way to deal with I this think, problem.
1: I think we'll start making like cheap knockoff versions of Luke's shirts. Yes. like I tested positive for freedom. We'll be like, I took a test and it said I liked freedom. I still, like, it doesn't make sense, but you, like, hey, you know we're ripping them off.
3: You could have the domain, the second best political <laughs> website, oh. since, of course, my website is thebestpoliticalshirts.com.
1: I actually think we'll buy that one. The second best, best political, <laughs> political <Yes>. shirts. <laughs> com. Someone's buying it I've right given
3: you too many good ideas. Damn it. I
1: want to I commission on that one. <laughs> we'll make uh, the even better political shirts. Oh. Or, or how about we make like Better Than Luke's? Yes. Better Than yes. Luke's t-shirts.com.
4: <laughs> yeah.
1: All right. Let's see. Andrew Biko says the term film shot comes from chronophotographic gun invented by James Mary in 1882. Please look it up. Interesting. Hmm. Andre McGruder. If the Republicans win the house in the midterms. A Republican replaces Nancy. Get rid of the VP, we get a Republican president. Hmm, interesting. Hmm. Impeach them, you mean?
4: Hmm.
1: Alright, Dozerman says, I'd like to see this guy try this, his BS with Michael Malice. I love Luke, but I feel Michael would light this guy up. I think mean, he's talking about you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
3: okay. <laughs> I'm not trying to light anyone up. I think it's important to have different voices and different opinions, and I think it's important to have these conversations. I'm, I'm, so I'm happy to talk to Michael Malles, <laughs> yeah, but it, it's good to have these conversations. And I'm not seeing this as a combative thing. I'm seeing this more of a of an exchange of ideas. And I've been dying to talk about the deindustrialization with the rise of globalization and the rigged war on drugs being responsible for the rise of rise of crime in the 1970s. But that's another issue. I another yeah, I'd like topic. to talk about pharma <laughs> being involved
5: in the the drug epidemic epidemic mm. <clears throat> on the after show maybe if that comes up yeah dude the our, chronoph- our guest is just shaking his head <laughs> the, the chronophotographic guns awesome this was 1882 Whoa. it was it, it looks like a rifle and it was yeah. the predecessor of the camera the movie camera oh,
1: cool. we, we got a super chat from a viva freddy vive Fre- vive Vi- 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 yeah viva Frey? Do we know, know, viva. do we know do we know do we know that i don't person? know that doesn't come french viva he okay. says, "I'm obviously partial to Rumble and locals, but building your own dev, are you still dependent on AWS and the like?" Mm. Peace and again, nice meeting you. We'll do it again.
0: Woo-hoo, yes, uh,
1: you can use whatever hosting service you want. You can make your own server if you want. That might be too complicated for people, and we certainly can set up some, you know, hosting uh, uh, services. It can be expensive, but I'll put it this way: there is a reason why these platforms charge a percentage; they're making money off you. Now that's fine. They've done the work, and they're cutting a profit. I just think that if we can create a simple program for free, and then you take on the personal responsibility of maintaining your subscriber data, it can never be sold to outside corporations. People's privacy will always be protected from Google or any other company that might want to buy or infiltrate or, you know, whatever. And you'll save a lot of money. I will say this, the percentage you give up to these companies is insane compared to the actual cost. It's, a, it's like an order of magnitude more. But like I think it would probably only cost for us like one to two percent, you
5: know, to like maintain the system. If that. Right now we're using Rumble for members stuff. Yeah. What's the what would the cost of that be if we were hosting it locally? Uh if we hosted our own videos? Way more. That's the challenge. Is someone can pay ten dollars a month and then watch one video a thousand times and cause a thousand times the cost to your server. So you could build something in where like you get to watch it once no, it's, for a it, subscription. It, it, I'm,
1: not, I'm not worried about that. It's an it's, it's like an equation. The more content we're producing on members only, the more money we lose. Right. So we we have some tales from the inverted world members only conversations. You you were hanging out with Shane, right?
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did a show on Monday.
1: So if 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 someone pays ten bucks. And they get one video per, you know, Monday through Thursday. And then we add Friday, which we did. And now we're going to add Sunday nights. That means we're spending more money, but we're getting the same amount from the individual because we're increasing the value, you know, percentage for the user. That's good. But it's also why you'll see Netflix or Hulu be like, we're raising the cost because we have too much content and people are watching way more. And so now we can't afford to cover the cost of bandwidth. But either way, I I think that's, that's less relevant to the fact that 10% 10% of the amount of money you make as a creator is way too much. Way too much. It's, a, it's an insane profit. Let's put it this way Go to Graftreon. Look at, like, uh, um, you, you want to go to Graftreon right now? Yeah. Graftreon.com. And, and look up the top creators. And, and, and tell me, who's the top creator? Oh, what what, do how do you
5: spell Graftreon with an F?
1: Graph and then T R E O N. P H. Yeah. Graph. Graph. Graftreon.
5: I want to tell a story while I'm doing this. Coming up, low,
1: you can't so. type in a word. Ian. So, once upon a time, Ian couldn't. <laughs> True type in a word. crime
5: obsessed is number one. Then we have how many, Chapo Trap. How House, many?
1: How many? How many? Forty-six
5: thousand seven hundred how much money they make? That, if if ten dollars a month minimum, that's four hundred sixty-seven thousand dollars a month. Oh, does it, it doesn't have one. Okay, so so number what's two, trapo? Chapo Trap House, thirty-six thousand seven hundred thirty-four patrons, one hundred sixty-two thousand dollars a month.
1: It does not cost sixteen thousand. Is it one hundred sixty-two? You said yeah. It doesn't cost sixteen thousand dollars per month. To run a member service. They are giving away $16,000 per month for no reason. For a one-time cost of a grand. You can have someone build out exactly what they get from Patreon. Yeah,
5: especially if you're hosting your stuff on, on Rumble. You don't have that to host money. your own data. That's the point.
1: It costs money to have private, uh, um, private uh, um, band- bandwidth. Yeah. Like if, so when we we have Rumble, we got to pay a lot of money for that. It is expensive. It is very expensive. It is substantial. Essentially less expensive than giving away 10%. That's mind-blowing that Chapo's giving away $16,000 per month. You could hire a web dev on a six-figure salary to work for you year-round to develop and maintain the site for you and its WordPress and plugins. And you could pay less. You could, you could hire a dev at eight grand a month and cut your cost in half. I just don't understand it. But I guess people, if they don't know, they don't they don't know. So hopefully we can change all that, right? Oh yeah. All right, let's see. Brian Knowles says, "Ian, watch Dave Rubin's episode that aired today. He publicly explains all of the terms and conditions of the acquisition. He didn't get a payout. Interesting. So that's... you gotta you gotta you gotta you gotta you gotta relax. See,
5: I do have to <laughs> relax. So he sold the company, but he didn't get a payout. Is that what I was just told?
1: Yeah, well, that's what they're saying. Yeah.
5: Okay, well, I'll find out. I look for it.
1: Eric. Thib, uh, Thibadoo, Thibadoo says, Yo Ian, bro, chill out. Dave is still invested in locals and the co-founder is still the CEO of locals. You don't know what you're talking about, bro. Look in, look into it. So what, what does that mean? Does that mean that, um, does that mean that Rumble bought a portion of Dave's equity or, I mean, an acquisition requires some exchange. Maybe it, maybe Dave got a, got a, got, got stock in Rumble or something or like private equity in Rumble or something like that in exchange for it.
5: Yeah, I got to look into this more.
1: Yeah, my approach to the whole thing the whole time was create decentralized tech so you can never be banned again. I don't see Rumble and Patreon as solving that problem ultimately. I still think it's good what they're doing, but I don't see it solving the problem. Not in the long run. In the long run, it's going to be this. You want to follow me? I say follow me at, you know, Tim at com, and then I own the server. No one can ban me. When you open your website and look at your feed, you'll see tweets from me, kind of like RSS, and no one can ban me, ever. Someone can say, I don't want to see him, and block me from their website, but can never ban me, can never take away my revenue, my subscribers. You are invincible.
4: Uh-huh.
1: All right, we'll do uh, one more Super Chat here. We got Chad Michael Taylor. He says, Tim, I am the manager of a comic and game store, MTG, Warhammer, Warhammer etc. We are fighting the culture war here. Just started vlogging from the shop. Cool, glad to hear it. I think we're going to be opening a game shop on Freedomistan. Yes. We got to build a big building and the problem is steel costs are through the roof. So it is very expensive and we're having a hard time because these companies are just, I call a company. I'm like, Hey, I need a steel, steel building. And they're like, okay, we'll call you back. And I'm like, and then they, and then they they call me back and they waste my time and they ask me a bunch of questions. I'm like, guy, I need, you know, we're looking at like 75 by like a hundred or something. And I'm like, we got a lot of work to do before winter. Can you do it? And they're like, well, let me call you back. And I'm like, click, dude. It's frustrating. Probably just need to hire a project manager to run the whole thing. Matt Lucas says, Dave got stock, is a salaried employee. His bro-in-law is CEO. Interesting. Well. Now, we'll see how it plays out. I think it's a good thing. But uh, um, we'll we'll wrap it up there. If you haven't already, smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, share the show with your friends, go to TimCast.com, become a member. A members-only segment coming up soon. You can follow the show at TimCast IRL. You can follow me personally everywhere at TimCast. Charles, you want to shout anything out?
2: Yeah, sure. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Charles F. Lehman, L-E-H-M-A-N. Uh, yeah, it's a good time. Cool. Right on, man.
3: And, uh, thanks for having me. And seriously, thank you for sending me this important reminder of my people's history. This was first used as a symbol for Polish resistance and the underground movement during World War II. The communists, when they took over, when they took over Poland after World War II, they made this illegal. That's why it was a sign of resistance under the Solidarity Movement. So, uh, sincerely appreciate it. And, uh, if you guys want to send us stuff, make sure to address it to us. And the address is on timcast.com. And uh, this also reminds me that not all hope is lost. No matter what the odds, you could always fight for what is right. And that was also the theme of the video that I made on com today as well. Hope to see some of you guys there. One yeah. Of,
2: one of your, one of your commenters. Uh, is saying that I am trash or a trash can emoji but on the other hand another of your commenters said that I looked <laughs> like a 60s G.I. Joe action figure and that was awesome so I'm considering this bad. I'm, I'll, I'll, I'm going to walk through the ladder. Yeah,
4: yeah. <laughs> yes. I
5: love it. Uh, thanks for coming guys. This was fantastic. You can follow me at Happy to be here. See you later. And
4: you guys may follow me on Twitter at Sarah
5: We will see all of you over at TimCast.com for that
4: member segment. Thanks for hanging up. Bye guys.